guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and thanks for joining us for this episode of Amateur All Tours. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at All Tours Pod and email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. And it would also mean a lot to us here at the show if you could leave a rating, comment, review on whatever platform the show you listen to on. <clears throat> so now we are continuing our journey in the MCU. Jake, welcome back. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, happy to be here. Thanks for having me again. Uh, thrilled to be, you know, really have the ball rolling on this thing now, you know, three movies deep and feeling good. Yeah, man. I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, definitely feeling, feeling excited to keep going forward. And this will bring us into our next film that is in the chronological order. Captain Marvel came out in 2019. And so, Man, Jake, I, and we've been talking off air, and I, you know I have opinions about this movie, and, and I, and I will say, uh, I guess, uh, on our very first episode, when I was saying there's a few of these Marvel movies that I'm not so sure that I'm gonna like, and they're gonna be ranked on the lower side, I was alluding to specifically this movie in particular, mm-hmm. and with that being said, I definitely tried to go in with such a an open and neutral mind. I couldn't, my issue was I couldn't unsee or unhear what I, like all this, all the, all the hullabaloo, I guess you could say that followed this movie when it came out, but I definitely tried to just go in with a, a neutral mind. I just wanted to experience this movie for what it is and I can make my own decisions based on that. Nothing, no outside forces. And I think for the most part, I was able to do that to a certain point. So I think this movie is definitely, it's, it's known that this is one of those really, I don't even want to say polarizing movies. It's just, this movie gets a lot of flack and we're going to discuss if it's warranted or not. But before we get into that, Jake, as I'm, we're going to start with every one of these reviews, how did you approach Captain Marvel when, when it first was released? So in bringing a little bit of my, I guess, knowledge into this, I know that she is in Infinity War. She has this movie, and then she comes in and makes an appearance in Endgame, or she plays a role in Endgame. But that's pretty much all I know. So I'm very curious to see... As a fan who was watching Infinity War, she comes in, does her thing, has this movie, and then has a role in Endgame. What did you have to make of Captain Marvel when you had seen her and then the lead up to Captain Marvel's movie? Well, I think the only um, – well, well, going in just right from the beginning, I think we didn't really get that much of her in Infinity War at, at all, actually. Exactly. Um, it was, it was kind of just like a, a little aside towards the end, like, oh, shit's hitting the fan. Like what's going on? Um, and kind of the end of infinity war basically just set her up. So, you know, comic book fans knew who she was and, uh, it's kind of like this universe is, you know, you know how in, you know, uh, DC Superman's just OP. He has everything. Nothing can stop him besides kryptonite. And it's just like, you know, he's overpowered. That's kind of what she's supposed to be in this universe. Um, so I think you have to take that. I, I don't, you know, I don't know why I'm diving into that right now, but I think I just wanted to make that very clear because there's things that she does that it's like, wow, it's just like she, she's unstoppable. 
Um, so I think you kind of comic book fans knew that about her. Like, oh, if if she's showing up, like shit's gonna go down because she she's gonna kick some serious ass. Um, so we kind of got that tiny little teaser at the very end of Infinity War, which I remember cheering in the crowd when I when I saw that. I'm not gonna say you know exactly what it was, but uh, but seeing her giveaway, so to speak. Uh, I remember cheering for that and being like, oh, snap. Like, we're getting a Captain Marvel movie next. And then I remember the movie came out and it was kind of one of those that, like, the hype in me died down a little bit at least. And I was like, it, it wasn't one of those ones that I, my, my butt was in a seat, you know, opening night like I've been for um, so many of the other ones. I was like, um, I'll get to that one, you know, sooner than later. And I did, and, um, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I kind of knew her background um, from the comic books and from, like, cartoons, because uh, at, <laughs> at this point in time, I was also watching, like, the uh, the cartoons made for kids to just try to get a little more backstory and figure everything out. Um, but the direction they went in with this movie was not as true to origin as uh, one would have expected. Yeah. And I, and I want to hit on a few points that you mentioned. So you said that uh, I, or like you, that you were hyped seeing her in infinity war, but then her movie came out and uh, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really that hyped for it. And Jake, you were not the only one. <laughs> this movie was projected <laughs> to make, like $160 million on its open opening weekend. And then it only made like $80 million, which is, you know, a bajillions amounts of money, which is incredible for right. any other movie. But this is Marvel. This is, you know, if but Solo, for example, the same, same idea, didn't make back its, it didn't like triple its budget on opening weekend. So therefore it failed. It, it like, failed, yeah. like making a tiny profit is a failure for these movies, which is incredible. <laughs> but you weren't the only one. This movie made only half of what it was projected to make. I think it, it did like break, not break even. I don't want to say that. I think it did make money, but I think it topped at like a hundred million or something like that. Right. Where then Black Panther made like two hundred over two hundred million dollars or something like that. This insane amount of money. But what I'm getting at is that you weren't the only one that felt like this. And at first, I I thought was this franchise fatigue, and no, because then Endgame came out and literally everyone and their mom saw this movie three times in Multiple the theaters. Times. Yeah. So it it can't be that. So then it gets me thinking like what well what is it? And this kind of gets into my next point that I want to talk about Brie Larson. And and this and 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 not so much her like portrayal. And we'll get into that because you know, I think she does a serviceable job as Captain Marvel. I think my issues come more from a directing standpoint, not so much her fault, but Brie Larson has some shenanigans that she does offset and it, it ranges all over the gambit where she's, I don't want to call her a militant feminist, but she definitely is pushing this SJW agenda on this film that I, I really don't think it, it, it belongs here. And as well as, you know, there's also these components that she is not getting along with the core Avengers cast. Maybe you can 
add a little bit more onto that. But then after I watched this movie yesterday, I was I was like, well, what's the fan base? I wonder, like, what did they have to say? Like, why don't they like Brie Larson? Why don't they like Captain America? And I just, you know, went on Reddit, the, the one place. Marvel. Oh, what did I say? You said Captain America. I oh, was going to say, everyone damn. loves Captain America. I'm sorry. Captain yeah. Marvel, I think Pete could be a little more polarizing. For, for, full disclosure, I am drinking a little bit because that's <laughs> what this movie has uh, forced <laughs> you into doing. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, but so I went on the Reddit and look up Captain Marvel and a lot of it was geared more towards the movie about the, ca- the the character, but they were talking about Brie Larson and just how aggressive she is off set. And I looked, again, looked up more interviews and, you know, you have interviews of her just pretty much dismissing criticism as just blatant sexism, which is not, I mean, I don't think that's true. I don't believe that. Also, you have these interviews with her and the Avengers cast where I brought this up to you yesterday, yeah, Jake, yeah, yeah. where she were with, uh, with hit, it was her, John Chris Cheadle, Hemsworth, Hemsworth, John Cheadle. Yep. And they were saying like, Oh, she was saying, Oh, I did my own stunts because I thought that's what you just had to do. I respect that statement. But then Chris Hemsworth jokes, Oh, we had a Tom Cruise over here. And she essentially kind of has a mini freak out. It's like, I am the next Tom Cruise. Like, what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, I kind of get it, but she's so aggressive. And then I watched a, and I, and I guess I can kind of see the idea of, well, in this, in this world where it's so dominated and this genre, so dominated by men and, and like male stereotypes of the classic, you know, Greek archetype of strong heroes, you have to be aggressive to make a statement but then you make these statements of, well, I am Tom Cruise comparing yourself to this dude. And I watched a, a, a comparison video where they took all these stunts that Tom Cruise did, you know, pretty much everything from a mission yeah. impossible, helo jumping for the films, hanging on the side of airplanes, jumping from these buildings, hurting himself in the process, blowing out his ankle. Jeez. Yeah. Doing like uh, loops in a helicopter. And then they cut to Brie Larson, who was, being suspended from a two to three rope uh harness and she's like swinging (laughs) from a rope or she's she's beating up or she's doing this you know very she's doing it well this fight choreography but it's clear she's not like a stunt coordinator so it's being hidden by quick cuts and and this quick camera movements so it's just very odd to me when she is comparing herself to this person it's like me saying oh i'm the next spielberg and i haven't like i've made a few short films here or there that i think are competent but like nowhere near on the level of that or like stanley kubrick like i am not on that caliber as a filmmaker or anything so well i think you bring up a really interesting point there in in the sense just kind of like who is Brie Larson and where does this, you know, sense of ego come from? Because to be perfectly honest with you, when I heard that Brie Larson was cast as Captain Marvel, the only thing I knew her from before this, and I'm sure there's some things that I just, you know, didn't realize or whatever, but the only thing I knew her from was I used to watch this show called The League, which was about a fantasy football league and, you know, all the shenanigans that went in or happened around it. And she was one of the dudes au pair that like has this weird sexual relationship with um, his, uh, his like brother-in-law who's like this crazy out there uh, dude who just like gets into stuff um, like schemes and whatever. And I was like, Oh, that's 
gonna be you know one of marvel's flagship heroes like I'm, I'm willing to give anyone a chance on anything but that's like the only um idea of brie larson that i had before and then yes as exactly as you're saying like there's all this stuff coming out and it's like wow where does this uh where does this come from yeah exactly so that doesn't help and and, and and I was talking to you all fair, like, and she, she is pushing this agenda of, you know, this supposedly like very strong female character. And it's this, it's this plot that is revolving around, you know, the, the modern plight of women. And I agree to, with her to, to a certain extent. And I am fully in support of films that are, that have this notion that are pushing, you know, stories and narratives like this. But the issue is that a film came out earlier. uh, I forget. I don't know. I I don't know how earlier in the name of wonder woman. And it did it 17. Cause I was just going to say, we, I I don't think we could look at this film without, you know, really talking about wonder woman as well, because that's what this is getting put up against because it's, you know, two leading, two movies about heroines and, you know, their journeys and everything. And no matter what comes out in the next 10, 15 years, it's going to be looked at against Wonder Woman, who was, you know, one of the first, you know, this version of the DC universe movies to come out that did it right, which, really isn't saying that much but and i don't mean to take anything away from wonder woman because that was a very very that was a phenomenal movie i could poke a couple holes in it but overall i enjoyed that and now you know i remember even going into this captain marvel movie where a little bit of the chatter was oh um, marvel's just putting this out to compete with wonder woman which no that's not the case there's you know anyone who knows anything knows that Marvel's had a plan since, you know, Iron Man came out. But I think this movie had to fight against some of that as well, which is, you know, part of everything that's going into it. Yeah, and Wonder Woman, it, I'll be the first to say, it is a flawed film. And and I think you have an interesting point where it's like, this was, I don't want to say the first of its kind, but it really did spearhead this as, you know, female superheroes having their own films like yeah they were like kind of sidekicks or they were side characters before this point and you know wonder woman did it so well it's it's and and i think it's it's something that that we have to keep looking forward to and it's setting that precedent and where I, i don't this the captain marvel was not made to compete with that this isn't a i keep for some reason i'm thinking of like bohemian rhapsody versus rocket man like one did it better than the other and but that's like the debate but i feel like here for me it's a little bit more objective that's and that's a pretty bold statement but you know wonder woman at least had this this character that we can get behind their plight the motivations they were all established even if they're a little flawed or if like the narrative is flawed they you could at least follow it and it wasn't so convoluted whereas captain marvel and we'll get into it i have a lot of issues with <laughs> with the the character of of uh of, of of this captain marvel character as well as the narrative because i feel like this narrative just starts it it, it starts okay and then it just tail spins so with that let's just let's just get into this movie jake let's sure let's thing. get right in so i do want to say that despite 
what we were kind of bringing into it, just how people were really weren't enjoying this movie. Uh, it stands to say that, and take this for whatever for whatever you will, that Rotten Tomatoes gave Captain Marvel uh, a 78%, which is a very fairly good, if like a very good exceptional review, uh, as opposed to the audience score, which gave it a 48%, uh, just throwing that out there. So the one thing that I want to say, like right out of the gate, is that this film is visually striking. Like, oh, I, oh, yes. Like that, I will say. And that goes into the beginning aspect. I think this is really, it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's setting intrigue. It's, it's setting like this mystery, like what's going on here. And I think it does have a little bit of a good reversal later on when you see like the actual scene play out, but it's setting that intrigue. And I do really like that. And the and visuals are really like top, top of their game as far as I'm concerned. I, mean, I haven't seen Endgame yet, but like this is, you know, pinnacle of, of the modern era of, uh, of digital filmmaking. I think you brought up a really nice point there too, and we won't get into it just yet, but you said this reversal that happens. And I think, you know, it's very interesting to see, you know, how you go at this movie, not knowing, you know, what's going to happen throughout the course of it. And then me going back to rewatch it, knowing everything already and just having to go through it narratively again and see how things are figured out. And I think, you know, I was curious, you know, is this still going to hit the same for me? Is it going to be as interesting? And I got to say, um, it was. I think it definitely had a, a fair amount of rewatchability, even though I know what's coming down the road. And we kind of talked about this a tiny bit, and I brought it up with um, uh, the first Avenger. And my one of my biggest problems with, with that movie was it felt like something that had to be made. I think this was also, I, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, yes, all of these movies had to be made because they, um, they, they all filter into this giant universe. But some, you know, seem to be able to stand on their own a little bit better than others. Um, that's one of my big problems with Captain America. And I kind of have that same, or Captain America, the first Avenger, let me make that clear. Um, and I kind of have that same feeling here that this movie had to be made to filter into the universe. Um, and without this whole big Marvel Cinematic Universe probably wouldn't be as strong if it was just a one-off somewhere else. Yeah, it, I think that's a, an interesting point um, because I went into this not really knowing what to expect. I, I didn't know if this was just going to be, like you said, like, is this something that we have to make just because we have to justify this character? Or is this character's story arc and, and is this going to factor into everything else without being forced and shoehorned? So I going in, I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt. I, I wanted to say, like, haters going to hate. <laughs> uh, you know, we, there, there, there is something to say that whenever films like this come out with strong female protagonists, there always is a subsection in a, of a group that is going to hate the film because purely of that superficial reason. So I, I wanted to, I was really rooting for this movie to do really well. I wanted to be the lone dissenter and be like, no, this movie is great. 
we'll find out if I, if I think that way, but I think you all can kind of guess where I'm going to go at some point, but I'm trying <laughs> to start off positive. So Jake, what did you, what did you have to make of this whole beginning on Cree is the planet? This is, this is one of the beginning things that it's a nitpick. It's not, this is, has nothing to do with the movie. Uh, I have this issue when Star Wars does it. I have this issue when Star Trek does it, when they're like, Oh, Cree planet X, Y, Z, to the infinity power of t- 10. Like, I have no idea what these <laughs> symbols mean, but I guess it's trying to world build. Doesn't do anything for me, but I think it was trying to get at just how expansive now, like we're not just on earth anymore. And no. I know with guardians, they started expanding into outside of, you know, the known universe, but here I'm just like, okay, it's even further than we actually think it is. Um, but it didn't really do much for me. It honestly just kind of confused me more. Cause I was tr- I was like, does this matter? I, I don't know. But what did you have to take with this whole opening segment of, you know, being on Cree, we're being introduced to Jude Law's character, their training montage, like establishing that she is a warrior of some sort with this special power. So, yes, we're on Hala, which is a Cree homeworld planet. Um, Cree's a, a race of aliens. Okay. Um, and I think uh, you actually, I, I want to just bring it up because you, I think what you said was very interesting. Um, yes, this is in chronological order. This is our real first taste of how expansive the universe is. And now it's got me thinking, um, you know, you coming at it chronological order. This is your first look at how big this universe really is. We're not on earth anymore. Whereas I already know, um, based on watching them in release order, that the Marvel Universe is gigantic based on the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, so I guess that's, that's an interesting thing of how, what's better for the viewer to be introduced to you know, the whole galactic universe that we're actually in. And I guess to some extent... Marvel's kind of leaning on the fact that you've seen the Guardians movies to be like, okay, you know, it's not that hard to buy this anymore that there's, you know, we're, we could be on an alien planet and it's okay. But now watching in chronological order, not knowing that, it, it's kind of an interesting tweak of, do we know this? Do we not know this? Um, but no, yes, we're, we start off on Hala and uh, we're kind of introduced to her and a first time viewer has no clue what's going on. They just know, all right, she's uh she's some warrior who has no idea who the hell she is for whatever reason. And, you know, putting one and one together, you're going to kind of figure that this movie is going to be exploring that um, idea and everything that's going on around that. And this is when we get that first, what should be the theme of the film is that, you know, control your emotions you have to be you know this you have to be this very controlled person to harness your power if you let emotions rule you then you will fail and I think that is a very interesting idea going into this movie you know and ex- and especially you know we're going to get back into especially from a man telling a woman control your emotions and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be funny like I think it's 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 really interesting that we're having this man in a superior position tell someone that he's training, you have to control your emotions because that is, I guess what the theme of this film is. And at least there's being 
set up in this opening fight and as well as what happens when she doesn't control her emotions she has this this power that she can't control and right away i was very interested so i'll give them credit where i was like okay why is she the only one that has this power because i was waiting for everyone else to be doing their like i thought she was going to be essentially like superman Mm -hmm. uh, or like this was going to be you know superman's world where everyone had these powers or they had different subsections of these powers or like uh, or slight variations. But then I was like, Oh wait, no, she's the only one with this power. Yep. And we're told, Oh, we were, what can be given can be taken away. Like this was a gift to bestow it upon you. So you have like, I'm training you how to use it properly. And then we are shown to like the Borg mind of this, of this uh Cree race this like uh artificial intelligence intelligence, which well i thought of it as like it's the downloaded history of like all the Cree that that ever lived or something like that i don't know if i was just you know building it up into something that it's not but the whole point is it's like this is what controls everyone everyone is interconnected by these chips that are in the back of everyone's head and and everyone is part of the, the mainframe essentially but as it turns out, only one person has a chip on the back of their head. Yeah, exactly. Which I, again, I didn't realize that. Uh, I just thought this was exactly just how it goes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, and then we're, you know, more of the mystery starting to be unfolded with who is this mystery woman that was in the beginning and she's saying, oh, I'm dreaming of this woman. And, you know, the, the, the artificial intelligence, they come to you as, uh, what, what is who it exactly? Most like, admire. Okay, most admire. Okay, You're so right. she doesn't know who this woman is that she most admires, and she's seeing it. And I think, okay, that's this. Okay, we're getting the mystery going. It's interesting. Uh, Brie Larson being introduced as Verz. I mean, okay, it's 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 just an introduction to the character. I know nothing about her, so I can't judge her either way. So I'm, and I'm not trying to be hyper uh, aware of what's going on. I'm just trying to experience the movie. So we'll fast forward a little bit. Uh, we are now put on this mission that she, she has to rescue an undercover operative who has infiltrated a group of Skrulls? Skrull. Skrulls. Okay. Yep. And he, it's like, and so from what I got gather, there's like some sort of civil war going on the the scrolls or or the scrolls they have to or they are shapeshifters that are conquering worlds correct that's what we're you know we're being told from the kree is you know we need to put a stop to the the scrolls expansion because they yes they're shapeshifters and they could you know be the person standing next to you because they could assume their identity and it's our job to put an end to it which is interesting i really like that idea and and Um, i mean this um the narrative that they built in this movie uh about this whole Cree scroll war does not do it um justice in my opinion to what it really is supposed to be in terms of um the comic book universe uh i think the way they did things here was to further the narrative of this movie and help develop the character and so on and so forth and um kind of fit it into the cinematic universe a little bit better than it would have if it stuck really true to comic book fashion um i'm not saying it doesn't work i'm just saying it's it's 
different? Oh, well, I don't want to say whether it works or not, but it gets very convoluted in the last uh, <laughs> last half of this movie. And I'll just put it at that. But we're not there yet. We're talking about this uh, beginning bit. And this is where the visuals are really coming out. I think this is when I decided I haven't really taken notes as I watched this movie until right now. So uh, the first thing I said is the first thing, the first thing that I wrote down was the first thing that I said about this movie is that it's visually striking. Like if I were recommending a film based on its visuals alone, I would give this a 10 out of 10. Like the visuals are spectacular and all the visual artists that worked on this film deserve the highest of praise. Um, And so and then getting into, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good action sequence. I'll give it that. Uh, we're having back and forth of these guys shape-shifting. The, the group has to figure out what's going on. You know, you're having some banter back and forth. It's not really that good. It's kind of reminiscent of, like, the beginning of Predator when they're flying into the jungles and they're going back and forth. It kind of reminds me of that, but not really. It, it's it's a little bit it's like the watered down version of that but either way fuck it i'll give it it so <laughs> we we get in here and verse goes in she's she finds she she thinks she finds a shapeshifter turns out it's the commander talos talos yeah she thinks she found their, uh, now, but... their undercover op um you know she gives him the code and then he gives her back whatever he's supposed to say and she's like okay i got him lo and behold it's uh one of the the scroll and uh it's it's a high ranking scroll yeah it's it's the general i believe and or so i was led to believe and what we get next is this really interesting another really positive thing is this like mind bending sorting through her memories trying to find this piece of of information and i think it's really interesting again it's 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 further pushing the intrigue of of this woman's past that we're not quite sure and she's not quite sure we're like experiencing this with her and we're getting pieces and pieces slowly and surely now what i don't like is is what comes after this moment is like the humor of this movie the humor of this movie either works for me or doesn't. And I'm going to say it's a solid, like two thirds of the humor does not work for me in this movie. And what I'm referencing is like the moment, like what I'm thinking specifically is when, so they're going through her memory. uh, She wakes up, she's looking around, she's upside down. And we have Talos sitting here like, well, why can't we get through this? Well, I need this information, reverse it. And the alien comes up and taps her on the head. And there's like a blip on the screen says, do that again. That seemed to work. And that just didn't work for me. I was like, oh, that's weird. And maybe that's just my humor set. But (laughs) this is the, the that just kind of was like, huh, okay. Like my head turned a little bit like, oh, that was weird. And I then, can see where you're coming from with um with how it either works or it doesn't work. I'm gonna flip the ratio on you and say I'd say two thirds of the time it does work for me. But I definitely agree. Um, there's times where things just feel forced or too quippy, and it it, it feels like she's almost trying to be Spider-Man at times where, you know, comic book Spider-Man has like a quick little quip to throw at, you know, the bot guy he's punching in the face and then web him up and then be done with it. 
and it feels like that they've leaned on that a lot throughout this movie. And, and I'd say more times than not, I got a chuckle out of it, but sometimes it's like, okay, it's just too much now. And I feel like this is what I was mentioning earlier with Brie Larson's performance. She either plays it too stoically or she plays it as this confident, sarcastic, like spider, like Peter Parker comic book character. And that's fine, but pick one or the other. Like mm-hmm. you have to play it stoically, like this this warrior who's been bred from essentially day one to be this person, and to, to just to be this warrior, like the Spartan warrior. Or you are built up to be the Spartan warrior, but you are like sarcastic. Like you're the outlier. And she right. tries to do both, and it just doesn't work for me. Now, I'm not going to br- blame Brie Larson on that. I'm well, going to blame exactly directors for that. What I-, I wanted to get on that, too, actually, because I think that's a problem more so with um, Marvel in general, because you will see it all the time. And if I am going to, you know, shit on the- all this universe, it-, it feels like there's this big dramatic thing. And then someone will slide in with a quick little joke that will sometimes hit and sometimes be like, why are we taking the drama out of this situation with like, you know, an Ant-Man quick little aside or something like that. Um, I I think that's Marvel just trying to be like, yeah, we're a fun family movie too. Um, But the universe itself, I think, relies on that too heavy. And I feel that some actors can get away with it a lot easier than others can and I think Brie Larson can't and it's probably a little bit because of you know like you said the directing um her portrayal of the character and you know so on and so and even just the the roots of the character itself it you know it makes sense for some where it doesn't make sense for others and then this is where she escapes and this is what the second point that that just starts the re- like i think it's such a critical issue with this film in that captain marvel vers is so overpowered it's not interesting like the character i feel like it's just written in such a like one note and then she escapes and she literally just dishes she just beats up all these bad guys with she doesn't even have her powers. Her hands are handcuffed behind. Not, they're not handcuffed, but they're, they're in, in the, these yeah, iron clads and she can't use her powers. And she still beats the shit out of every single one of these dudes with no hesitation. And I want to, and I want to say like, this is 20 minutes into the movie. Let's just remember that if, especially in it, it's appropriate here that at this point in the movie, uh, in Iron Man, Tony Stark has been tortured and he thinks he's going to die. He's almost died. <laughs> and he is doesn't know if he's going to escape. And at this point, Steve Rogers has gotten the shit kicked out of him at least once. And and we've seen these char- we've seen those characters be beaten down. At this point, she was captured, but then she is just literally escapes beating escapes with yeah. no issues this this fight she the one that i had to count the guys on the screen she took down eight dudes who later uh talos says they were my best my men. best guys yeah like, these are your yeah. best dudes and she dispatches them with with without like with with oven mitts on essentially <laughs> and 
and, well, and, and she gets electrocuted a few times, but it does absolutely nothing to limit her power. And that's a problem. It's like I said, it's she is, to some extent, this universe's Superman. She is meant to be just, you know, next to Thor and the Hulk, just, and of course, you know, Thanos, but like the most powerful being, or one of the most powerful beings out there. I understand that, but at the same time, like everyone has their start, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like... I'm trying to think of an analogy that is appropriate or I don't want to mess it up, but like, like, uh, I don't know. An avalanche started off as a snowflake at one point. I just made that up. I don't know if that's real or not, but like, you see what I mean? You want to turn into a t-shirt? Amateur (laughs) tours. Yeah. Every avalanche started as a snowflake. snowflake. Every snowman was a (laughs) snowflake. Um, but, but you see what I mean? Like everyone has, like, there's always these beginnings. Like she's not God. And she was never this this almighty – she shouldn't be this almighty figure. And I think that just would be narratively more interesting if she, like, you know, got the shit kicked out of her a few times. She has this handicap, and she still decimates everyone. And this – are you familiar with the YouTube channel uh, or the guy, Ryan Hollinger? Um, it sounds familiar. Um, well – What's he uh, like? What's his? So he does a lot of film uh, essays on his channel, and and he actually broke down the choreography of the film Old Boy. Uh, Have you seen the film Old Boy? No, I have not. So Old Boy is this very excellent Korean drama, essentially just like getting on a side tangent because it is related. Old Boy is about this guy who is kidnapped and locked in a room for 20 years with no, with no human interaction except the TV. And then after that 20 years, he is released into the world. And, you know, and he, it's a vengeance plot trying to figure out who put him in there and why. And at one point in this film, he is, he's faced, he like extracts information from this dude and he's in this, and he tries to leave and there's this long hallway and there's no less than like at least 20 dudes that are there. And the whole f- and this whole fight scene is just one unbroken shot uh, of the camera on like the on the wall, like a wide angle lens of the wall. So you see the whole hallway, and it just moves from left to right, and you see him take down all of these dudes. Now, what Ryan Hollinger breaks down in this video is the shifting of power dynamics and the balancing of power in this fight and why it does it so excellent and that he starts off the camera moves pretty quickly is moving with him he's center frame he's beating up all these guys but then at one point the he gets overpowered and his progress is halted and then he overcomes but he's he gets the shit kicked out of him and he's beaten he doesn't walk away like oh i'm like beating his chest he's all good to go like no he's got like a knife in his back he's bleeding (laughs) he is like he's messed up and he and he essentially breaks down like this is what makes a really interesting fight and all the scenes and something like Jackie Chan like he always like why his fights work not so much for the physical well for the physical comedy but it's because he gets beaten up those like the scenes the fight scenes that work are those that you see your hero struggle through and what I'm trying to get at with this tangent is that we don't get that here we don't have this this 
this uh, power dynamic, this shifting of power between our hero, our heroine, and the villains. She is just decimating these dudes right off the bat. And these, I never really got that they were just henchmen. And she has, a, like it's been saying over and over, she's a handicap. She shouldn't be doing this. And she's doing these quips like, oh, you guys know how to take these off? Eh, oh, well. And she just beats shit out of everyone. And that is just not interesting, especially if this is her low point. She's kidnapped. She's away from her team. She doesn't know where the hell she is. And she is this mystery in her head of, well, who am I? This identity crisis and now she's just beating the shit out of everyone and she's like smiling when she's doing it. She's screaming. It's so tonally all over the place. And narratively, this is like the big first red flag for me. I hate seeing characters. And I think everyone just doesn't like see like mature movie going audiences don't like seeing characters just decimate everyone. There's no struggle there. And that might just be a generalization, but it's, it's my viewpoint. Mm-hmm. What what is your what what do you think about this first fight scene that we Well I think that this is actually one of the the areas that it, it comes our our difference um in uh what's the word I'm looking for our, our difference in um you know relation to these movies uh is where it sticks because I I feel like you you have a much easier time coming at these movies as you know just a uh, a moviegoer looking at each movie kind of as its own and then how it comes together. Whereas I already know where this whole thing goes and I'm looking at it more so as how they all piece together. So I really didn't have that big of an issue, but that with this, just because A, I know where she ends up and B, I know what she's supposed to be. So the fact that, you know, she's throwing dudes around isn't, yes, I agree. It's not that fun, but it is just, I think all it's supposed to symbolize is, all right, I shouldn't say it's not that fun because I did enjoy watching her kick ass, but you know, I I enjoyed it on a superficial level of just, all right, here's this chick and she is just knocking the hell out of these dudes. Like it's comical. It's funny. But I didn't get further enjoyment out of it as, as you were alluding to. Like, there was no struggle. There was no doubt in my mind that she was going to be able to handle this situation um, or anything like that. And I think just kind of how you were saying where there, you know, we don't get to see her. I feel like we don't get to see her have a, a struggle yet. And, and it, in you know i think what we end up getting at with her is you know it's not ever going to be a physical struggle just because of who she is and what she's capable of doing i think we kind of get that satisfied a little bit later in the film um more so in terms of a mental struggle but as we get to that we could get into that a little bit more yeah and and one more thing i want to say before we get to earth is that like what you said, she's beating up these dudes. I think that's a very interesting point because it it also goes back. I want to go back to her memories real quick. So a lot of these memories we're seeing is, you know, we're, we're getting like narrative, really important points of her story, you know, flying this, this jet with these, with these uh, aliens around her, you know, we're getting this back, this background, like, oh, she's a pilot, she joined the military, she's in the Air Force, but we're also getting a lot of oppression by men, Mm -hmm. 
yep. in very overt ways. So we have like some douchebag at Top Gun walking up to her like, well, you know why they call it a cockpit, huh? Like that yeah. stupid stereotypical shit. And then, you know, we get to her in boot camp. I think this happened at this point. She gets in the boot camp. And she's like, oh, you, you'll swinging never fly. She's swinging yeah. on the rope. The men are laughing at her like, oh, you're going to kill yourself. And then we get to her riding a go-kart with some boy telling her, oh, you're going too fast. You got to slow down. And then her – As he zips her, past her, which I, I thought was very funny too. It's, you know, you're going too fast. And then he speeds up and goes right past her. Yeah, well, presumably her father comes up and says, what are you doing out here? You shouldn't be here. And I think this is setting up this idea in this – agenda of this like woke modern era of you know oppression by men and i don't want to say this movie hates men but it does feed into a lot of negative negative stereotypes that i think that we mentioned in the beginning that brie larson is kind of perpetuating in oh, yeah. these interviews I, I and, agree. and and i don't like I, I mean being a man i don't like seeing movies just like hate on men just because they have a penis but and i but i don't think that perpetuating negative stereotypes is how you create equality i don't think that's how you get more of these movies of strong female protagonists made by dumping on men i'm not saying i'm not saying feed into the system and like placate that's not at all what i'm saying like i said with brie larson like you have to be aggressive to make your statement but you have to be intelligent about it and just like ragging on men and just like digging into stereotypes, I don't think works. And that I think is going to be a common theme that we're going to be seeing throughout this because very rarely does she fight women. She only almost, ex almost, I want to say almost the high keyword exclusively fights oppressive men. And, and that Ooh. would be, and that would be interesting because that happens in wonder woman, but that's all about like, the evil of men that's all about the theme the theme of this film sh should be about controlling or whether or not you control your emotions or not and you know finding that duality in yourself not uh, overcoming this oppressive uh, patriarchy mm -hmm. i could just be you know speaking bullshit and I well i do want to point out though when i definitely see where you're coming from um but the big I can't talk about it yet. <laughs> Let's circle back to this momentarily, but, um, or not momentarily. When we get to like that big climactic shift in this movie, um, let's, let's get, jump back to this point really quickly. Will do. So let's, uh, let's jump to earth real quick. So she gets off, she gets in an escape pod and she crashes to earth. In a blockbuster, no less. Uh, yes. Thought it was fitting, to, uh, just really kind of setting the time, um, just where we are, 1990s. Because I don't think they ever really like say like, and I appreciate that. It's all visual storytelling. Yes. It's not 1990 uh, C. They don't even say Earth. They just say C four or 54, 53, whatever the Earth is called. And and then we get a blockbuster. We have some. I forget the films they showed. Uh, like with the box art, but again, it's it's setting the time that we're in the the, the vehicles, the times, things like that. It's great, mm -hmm. very nostalgic. Uh, and then she goes outside, goes up to the security guy, and this joke both again both work worked for me 
but it also didn't work where she knocks on the security van or the security guy. He was just like, what the hell? He says, Oh, I need my comms communication. Uh, are you security here? Blah, blah, blah. I, I need to go over here. They go to radio shack. That joke worked for me. What I didn't like was how immediately confident that she was that she could just crash onto a random planet and, and just, Oh, I'm just, I, I know everything about everything. You know what I mean? And just have this, it wasn't arrogant. It was just this confidence that just, like, if you crash landed on a random planet that you didn't know where it was, you wouldn't just be walking up to random people and be like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm just, uh, I need the communications with my comms. Yeah. Is that just me? Am I crazy? Um, I don't think, it definitely, there seemed like, yes, I agree there is this sense of arrogance. But to me, I just played it not that, you know, I don't want to say she's playing Playing dumb isn't the right way to say it because that's not what's happening here. It's just almost like she's oblivious to the fact that this world that she's on might not know that they're part of this bigger galactic society. It's like she's just walking around with the assumption that like, oh, yeah, they they know about this and that and blah, blah, blah. Like, no big deal. Um, and, and I think to some extent that's, you know, it, it harkens back a little bit to she doesn't know who she was before she went to Hala. And all she knows now is that she's like this, um, this militant personality, like that's her whole life. So I think it, it does a, it fits with what her character is right now. It's just this confident, you know, strong, um, militant woman who is one track mind in terms of like this is my mission this is what i'm going to do especially because i don't know who i am so i have a this is my purpose and i'm sticking to that purpose yeah no i i actually it's a really interesting way of of looking at it i do really like that perspective um and so we we move on she she is able to contact her her i guess jude law and and her team and i i do at first i i I was looking at my notes and it just seems like a nitpick, but I, I really do like the, I think it's a funny detail that, so we figure out this whole thing that I, I think it happened at this point, but you know, this, they were trying to look for this woman because she had cracked uh, the, the, the air force uh, pilot that she, uh, that uh, captain Marvel, the verse that she respects the most this, this, this Air Force pilot, she has cracked the, the uh, I guess, light speed travel. Yeah, light speed engine or whatever. And I, know, think whatever it's, and I think it's really, it's a funny detail that they're like, oh, she cracked light speed uh, travel, but they haven't. And, but they can, she's able to contact them through a payphone. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's just such an interesting, like, I thought it was funny. I actually kind of, I mean, I don't want to say liked. I just thought it was a funny detail. It's like, it's like, oh my God, we can't, like, we're trying to figure out, like, light speed travel, light speed travel, as they're talking through a payphone, and the long distance call still works. That, like, again, that joke worked for me, because I just thought it was so ridiculous, but I liked it, you know? Um, and then we get Nick, the man Fury himself, Samuel L. Jackson, and I gotta say... I thought the de-aging looked really well. That's the th exact thing I was just going to ask you. How did the de-aging work for you? Because he looked like you he, said 
he looked like he walked off the set of Die Hard 2. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really believable for me. I mean, there's some, like, uh, later on in the movie, some fight scenes that he was in. I was like, oh, he's an old man just based on the way he's moving. <laughs> but, like, just facial-wise, uh, I think they did a phenomenal job with this. And I was, uh, I was very pleased with it. And this was even, you know, my second go-around where I knew I was going to be watching, like, a young Samuel L. Or not a young Samuel L. Jackson, Younger. but a de-aged yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. And I was like, wow, this works. And then, and you know, especially because we talked about Captain America the other day where we have, you know, skinny Steve Rogers. And yes, there's a eight year gap between these movies, but it's uh, it's very, very different. It's impressive how how far it came and how well one worked versus the other. Yeah. And I want to say for anyone that wants to see a little bit more of an in-depth not how they did it, but just how well they did it. Go look up. I think I mentioned it last time, uh, Corridor Digital. They did a whole episode about dissecting good and bad de-aged uh, characters. And I'm almost positive that they focus on him. I think the highlights of that episode were Paul Walker and Fast and Furious and Samuel L. Jackson. And I want to, but going back to the film, I want to say I was not expecting Samuel L. Jackson to be a main character. I thought he was just going to be a cameo, just to be like, oh, hey, here he is. And then he's going to show up at the end of the movie, like here and at the end. But I was not expecting him to stick around for this was his intro for the whole movie. And I have to admit, like Samuel L. Jackson just has this, he's just eternally youthful. Like he is the <laughs> same he is now as he was almost 25 years ago. And I really appreciate his presence in this film. Absolutely. And one of the things I mentioned way earlier talking about Brie Larson is that Brie Larson does not get along with any, I don't want to say any, but she doesn't get along with, does not get along with most of the Avengers cast except Samuel L. Jackson. And I think that that chemistry that they have really shows off here. I think he is one of the only people that can help rein her like rein her in and like kind of guide her and set her up and she can set him up he doesn't really need much setup because he's samuel l motherfucking jackson but he can you know maneuver these this direction and these lines and help elevate her character i think so i really do like seeing nick fury here with both eyes <laughs> yes with both eyes which, which is i'll get to later <laughs> because yeah there you actually made three really really nice points there um both eyes, which it was very fun for, um, you know, me as someone who, you know, this movie came out later. So it's like, oh, wow, Nick Fury has both of his eyes. And I remember the first time I saw this movie, I was like, oh, my God, are we going to find out what happens to it, that the eye in this movie? And we'll I remember kind of being on the <laughs> edge of my seat the whole time, like, oh. what's going on? Um, so we'll, we'll come back to that. You mentioned, and I also made a note of it here, and I underlined it too. I totally agree with you. I really like the chemistry of these two characters throughout this whole movie. I think it works really well, and it was really fun to watch how they played off of each other. And especially because it doesn't seem like, well, from Carol Danvers' standpoint, it doesn't feel like it would work. But I guess it's just Nick Fury's standpoint of like, he's just so laid back, easygoing to some extent where it's just like, you could stick him, Nick Fury, or well, I guess this is more towards Samuel L. Jackson, but like 
you could stick him in a room with anybody and it's going to work. So I, I feel like, yes, I totally agree that the uh, mashup of the two of them was fun. And along with Nick Fury showing up, we see Agent Coulson, rookie Agent Coulson, yeah. which um, I, I'm sh- a lot happens throughout these movies. I'm not going <laughs> to say it, but um, it was fun. It, you know, it, that hit hard when I saw Coulson because I was like, oh shit, there's Coulson. Like, this is great. It, like, I won't tell why, but it was really, um, I think a lot of, Marvel fans cheered when he showed up on screen. Yeah, and and one thing I want to ask you real quick. So what is Shield? So I always thought they were just the facilitators of the Avenger initiative and they just like brought these people together, but I always I, I don't want to say they were like men in black characters. I always thought they were like the dudes in the shadows. Like they were those that investigated like the occult stuff they like they were kind of like um i don't know you have you seen the original hellboy like uh guillermo del toro's hellboy like yeah, oh gosh when did that one that's old that's like two early 2000s like yeah. 2003 it's my favorite del toro film but anyway like i thought that like shield were like those guys like they just like they it's like they investigated the things that go bump in the night you know what i mean you're you're right to to an extent you bringing up men in black um was also a pretty good comparison um but but really and you'll get more on who shield is and what they do throughout um throughout these movies but basically their job is to just protect earth and you know identify and protect earth from whatever else is out there that's kind of their shtick. That's what they're meant to do. Okay. I mean, not that it's like super important for me to enjoy this movie. I was just curious because by the end of this, we have a, a, a big revelation with shield. And I didn't realize that that happened in the mid nineties. I thought it would happen way sooner. Like maybe like not here, you know, like this right, is like right. relatively like that makes, you know, what I'm referencing, like a very young. So and and we'll expand upon that a little bit more when we get to that point in the film, like towards the end. But we then get this. Well, now the uh, the the scrolls are down here as well, and they, as of right now, they are like the established villains, and so they are trying to find Verse. I think they're yeah, they're yes. trying to find her to get her memories. Essentially, that's what we're at this point. We're led to believe they right. look over, they see a bunch of surfers, and they 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 transform, they mutate into these people. And we get this like bizarre scene where, I mean, not that the interaction between Verz and uh, Nick Fury is bizarre, but he's trying, like we have the shapeshifter up in with like a sniper position, tries to shoot, I guess, Nick Fury, get this long elongated uh, chase sequence. And, you know, we, it's, I mean, it's not a bad sequence, you know, we have the, it goes on into this, uh, sub or not subway, like a train car, like, met, like a yeah. Metro Metro car. The one thing that did really did, I don't know if this was supposed to be a tell of who these people eventually are, but when he's waiting for the train door, like the Metro doors to open and he bumps into that old lady, well, he doesn't even bump into her. He, he, the doors open and he politely lets her off the, the track. 
before he jumps on before, yeah. before he just calmly walks on now i knew he was going to mutate into her but i just thought that the interaction of just kind of like milady like opening his arm <laughs> like letting her out was kind of was in was weird to me and i don't For know if that someone was, who's supposed to be a bad guy yeah and i don't know if that was supposed to be like a tell that you know maybe these guys aren't as bad as it's we interesting think they are. that you bring this up because i um maybe i'm just numb to it because i know where this storyline actually goes but um, I don't think I picked up on that the first time. Uh, I, I think, you know, if it is supposed to be a tell, it's very subtle. And uh, I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up right there. Because like I said, I didn't catch it both times I watched the movie. Yeah, so and then we get this whole elongated scene and and we, I, I, it's, it's, it's exciting, I guess. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny just watching this old woman and Ver's like just kind of duke it out and um and just like seeing everyone just be like what the hell I did think it was another nitpick it was weird when they're just all fighting and they grab Ver's but they don't grab the old lady one I would just be like what the hell but I want to be grabbing around yeah yeah as she's like flipping around like uh like it's like she's Ray Parks or someone in <laughs> in like early uh 2000s but yeah so we get the sequence uh Nick Fury we get another instance where he kind of starts to understand because he's at first just kind of scoffing at the idea of, okay, this is just another nut who right. is, who, who just is like just saying spouting random shit, which is then questions. Well, why is agents of shield going to investigate this when they don't really know what's going on? All they, all they have is just, Oh, a woman is dressed in rubber and, she like busted into a block or she busted out of a blockbuster. So it's kind of, yeah. So it's interesting. Like why were agents of shield investigating this particular instance, but whatever, that's just a nitpick. I don't really give a shit to what the answer is, but, um, so Nick Fury, they're chasing, they're chasing. We get this moment of agent, uh, Coulson. Hey, I was checking out the blockbuster. Where'd everyone (laughs) go? And then it's a shapeshifter they get into a car accident. Nick Fury has a has a has his first injury to his eye, which yes, was a nice nod. I remember seeing that in the in the theater too. I'm like, oh snap, that's how it happened. And then, no, I wish. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, in a hot minute. But um, but yeah, so we get this scene. You know, it it, it happens. It, it's 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 entertaining. I will give yeah. it that. It's nice choreo. It's a nice choreography. I do like like where it goes. She picks up like the, the, the he drops this crystal is and and she picks it up is that am i right on that one yes it, and i i mean i don't even really know what the significance to the crystal is um but i guess it's you know it's just some type of communicator memory device whatever it is it's a piece of of um scroll tech that, that captain marvel deemed important she pl- pops it into her what are, what are they uh pit boy you know uh, yeah, <laughs> is basically boy. what i uh <laughs> could uh like um match this to and you know i guess she's trying to get some information out of it and not really all that successful or she does get something out of it um but not as much as she appeared to want so uh help me fill in the i have like this gap so i remember that she 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 somehow gets these coordinates to a bar 
maybe it's through her memory. She, she somehow remembers, but she knows I have to get to this bar. She looks it up on like an internet cafe. Dial up. Com- yeah. Yeah. Which was a weird joke, but I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and she ends up stealing this, this motorcycle from another dude that is trying to tell her what to do. I mean, he's like trying to flirt with her and then he says, you got to lighten up, which never mind. So she, (laughs) (laughs) so she's looking at this map and she steals the motorcycle, steals some clothes and takes off. And she goes to this bar and then we fast forward. Well, she's on her way. And then we get to the autopsy of the shapeshifter where we start to figure out, okay, this is an actual threat. Who are these people? It's the building, the mystery. Nick Fury's boss comes in, who is in fact a scroll as we scroll. Yep. And I forget not his just name. any scroll. Well, he is, he's Talos. And I forget the actor's name. He was the main villain in, uh, in row one. And he does a fantastic oh, job. I didn't even make that connection. Thank I'm you for that. Almost positive. Yeah. Um, that he is the the main villain but you know we get this this bit of oh well now this is his main disguise which does this character come up at all again jake or is this just like a one-off like he somehow we're just expected to believe that he found the boss like kidnapped him hit him away and turned into him like does this character come back at all because i just uh... thought it was kind of weird you know, you hit it. That's at some point Talos, you know, did exactly what you said and we're just expected to roll with it, which, you know, I guess it's one of those things you don't need to, I guess it would be nice to know like how Talos really infiltrated all of that, that well, but at the end of the day, it's not that important. And it is Ben Mendelsohn. That is his name. Okay. And he, and he plays Talos in all these films. So um, he is a very good actor. I, I will say that. Uh, I did really enjoy – I enjoyed his energy more in the end of the film or, like, the last act of the film, I should say. But um, – and so, you know, we – you know, we, we figure this all this out. Fast forward to them going to this bar. She's – and I do like this this visual that she walks into the bars and like the pan, the camera's panning and we're seeing the superimposed memories as the camera pans. I'm like, oh, that's a really creative visual. I like that. It's also cueing the audience in visually. This is the place that we saw her in her memories back on yes. the ship. So I really do like that moment. She goes in, Nick Fury you know, finds her there. Don't remember if it was said how, but he's there. And that's not a nitpick. I'm just saying he's there. It doesn't matter how that he's there. I'm, I'm willing to give the movie this caveat mm-hmm. or, or uh, multiple caveats. Um, and so then they get this, this, this questioning of like scrolls, like, Oh, how do you know you're a scroll? And oh, you just tell me whatever, like they can only, think of like short-term memories yeah, you can only so give me the long terms and make me think terms. of something so ridiculous that no one would make that up and again it didn't really work for me this like overconfidence of this character and just like this smugness and oh, just army. blowing up the jukebox machine and saying skulls can't do that yeah that well, was again, another how thing. is how is he supposed to know yeah i was like oh okay okay they can't do that sure 
why did you have to blow up the jukebox? Why couldn't you just say, well, I'm not one? You did you? Yeah. All she had to say was, did you not see me back there? That's all she had to say. She didn't have to be a dick and blow up the jukebox. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm not really going with her in these moments right now. So, and isn't there a moment when she says, like, I have the note written right here exactly what heroes do and i have called themselves noble heroes like so at some point does she call herself i'm a hero or something like that and i'm like oh yeah that's exactly the archetype of a hero they call themselves heroes they're just so vain that they call themselves (laughs) heroes is that um i'm i just have that note written down i don't and I just watched it too. That you know, that <laughs> this movie is forgettable, dude. Dialogue, <laughs> and and that goes into a, another film that or another uh, film essay YouTube channel that I'll bring up way later. But just a hint, he pretty much says that this movie is completely forgettable. And dude, you're you're. I mean, I don't want to like call you up, but you're you're helping prove this case. You just finished the movie and you and you don't remember. And that, I think that just speaks for this film in itself. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that is just one bit of, you know, uh, dialogue, but I can't remember specifically that. But I think, you know, even if she doesn't say that, you could, you know, directly that, you could get that impression from her of, you know, well, I'm a hero because I'm doing the heroic thing. And it, yes, like you, if that line of dialogue is was in there, I wouldn't be surprised because that's kind of you know her personality yeah exactly and so essentially somehow there's the dialogue exchange they end up going to this military base that nick fury can get access to about oh it's like the files essentially like where all these like secret uh classified files are kept from what i got from what happened Mm -hmm. in the scene they go there. I do really, at first I thought that the setup of no one calls me Fury or no one calls me Nick. They only call me Fury, not Nick, not Nicholas, not Nick Fury, Fury. At first I was like, well, it's like, oh, what does your mom call you? Fury. What do your kids call you? Fury. What are your, like, I, I was like, this is a weird scene, but it does pay off. And I will give it that. What is the start of one long frustrating joke is how Nick Fury loves cats or, and not so much that he loves cats. It's just this fucking cat. Like, <laughs> this bugs me to no end. Really? See, it didn't bother me. And and maybe, again, it's because I know where it's going. But I'm pretty sure even when, um, like, I first watched this, it's, you know, especially because I know, you know, what Nick Fury's been through for the past 10 years up to this movie. Just seeing him, like melt over this cat like this hardened figure who's just trying to save the goddamn mf and world is melting over this cat it's like such a for me at least it was a fun character dynamic shift um going throughout this movie and i even wrote down i made a note i was like i enjoyed the little cat jokes here and there um yeah here and there but not for the next hour (laughs) of the film it didn't pay off for you in the end? If anything, I hate it more in the end. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, I mean, to each his own. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I thought it, some it, of the jokes worked. Like, I'll give you that. I think some of the cat jokes worked. And we'll get to them when they come. But 
this like I don't understand why this cat is here because it's it's I thought it was gonna be like um, like in the first Men in Black like it was just kind of this uh, this this MacGuffin of just like oh well Orion's belt and it's like oh well the cat's Orion but it's not Orion it's it's the it's the galaxy around his neck I'm like okay well what does this cat have because there's so much attention being brought to this damn cat. And I'm like, well, it can't just be like to give Nick Fury this like lighthearted joke of, oh, I love cats. Like, oh, little schmoozy, hello, you want to give me a kiss? <laughs> like that, and like that was funny watching a masculine figure such as Samuel L. Jackson do that. Like that's like it was funny. But then you know, there's this point when they go into the record room and the cat is just like staring at them menacingly. I'm like, oh shit, are they gonna transform into a cat? Like that's insane. And then we figure out why they would never do that, but um, <laughs> a little bit later on. So that was just kind of weird. Uh, the other joke that did work for me was, you know, they go into this this Air Force base and the security guard, you know, takes them aside and says, okay, we need whatever the name of this this woman is. I forget, uh, Wendy Lawson. And, oh, we need to see her. We need to speak to her. Mm-hmm. And the, he escorts them to the security room. And they figure out, oh shit, we're locked in here. And yep. so Nick Fury sends out a a page saying, "Oh, I'm I'm de- I'm detained with the target. Please, like, send backup. Like, I'm in trouble." And I love his like kind of sleuthing where he gets he gets the tape, he gets the fingerprint off, and he and he opens the door. And then we go to the next door. He's like, "Oh, I got my tape out." And she just opens the Blasted door. Open, and and yeah. I really did love the delivery. Where it's like. And you just sat there and let me play with tape like that. Like that worked. <laughs> I think that really I think like that was a joke that worked. Where I also like that's where I probably made the note and then you know put checks next to it every time it came up again. That I I like the dynamic between these two characters. Like that was the first was like all right this works for me and then from there there's you know checks after that saying like okay it happened again it happened again it happened again. Um, but that was, yeah, that first bit that I was like, this chemistry works for me. Yeah, exactly. I think that that scene, like, or that joke totally worked. And jumping back to the records, we find out, oh, there was this crash sequence of like, or this, this crash that happened because they were testing this really quote unquote experimental, uh, like, uh, ship design and a lot of it's redacted. It's all in bits and pieces. Oh, Lawson, she she took matters into her own hand and she took out a pilot with her. The black box was destroyed. We don't know what happened. Who's the pilot. We don't know. And this is when she starts clicking, making or uh, you know, Ver starts making those connections. Like, well, who's the pilot? Who's the yep. pilot? And he said, like, I don't know that we never know. And the one person that knows is located here. So that's like our next point that we have to go to. Well, but she even sees the picture of herself. Oh, yep. I was just about to bring that up. She brings, yeah. she sees the picture of herself in the background and she is finally like, okay, well, I, it's, it's confirming my suspicions. I'm involved somehow. So let's figure this out. And I, I forget the next chain of events, but next thing I know, Nick Fury is with, uh, well, Talos and disguise as his boss and this is where that setup comes up that I really do like where, oh, good job, Nicholas. And he just kind of gives that look of what? Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, so, and it, it gives, and he's, he, he's questioning this. And I think she's still looking at the records. And 
and he gives another kind of uh, coded message of, oh, just like in wherever. Oh, back in, yeah, yeah. And he says, oh, yeah, just, exactly, just like that. He says, okay, like, you go to the, the sixth floor, and I'll go to the fifth. And if she if she tries to take run from the stairs, I'll, I'll get her, don't worry. And this is, you know, him setting him up, saying, like, okay, I'm going to go. It's him getting a head start, essentially. Yes. And, and – <laughs> And we get this moment when they, so they, we get this little like tension moment. There's a fight that ensues. Uh, Vers saves Fury. And, and we get this weird line of, of, uh, just like, oh, you can't, like, you can't be trusted with this. You called backup is all oh, my bad. I'm like, wait, but you called backup because you were trapped. You didn't call backup on her. You weren't trying to yeah, detain that, her. That was unclear to me, like, why exactly what happened there. Because even rewatching, I'm like, okay, he's calling backpack back up, detained with the fugitive. But, it, like, it's, I guess, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. just assumes. It doesn't make like, sense, dude. Like, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it doesn't it's make any there. sense. And, and I, I guess they're hoping that we just overlook that, but, uh, <laughs> You know, it's that's not big, our job uh, right now. It's a so pretty it's, big it's thing a weird situation that happens there about, you know, exactly who's after who and who's, you know, quote unquote, a traitor and so on and so forth. Oh, this is just the beginning of the convoluted mess that will become the third act. But I also <laughs> want to say that the cat's name is Goose. Is yes. it supposed to be a Top Gun reference Um, with Maverick I, and Goose? I don't know. Uh, for sure, but I think that's what they're going for, and that's also what I thought as well. I never dug into it any deeper, you know, in terms of is there a comic book relation, and this movie isn't that well aligned to the comic books, so my guess and my hunch is no. Oh, okay. Um, it's it was just, just like, like, yeah, it was just like you said, a mention to, like, Top Gun, because, you know, there was some scenes, like, what is it she says like higher further faster baby like it's top gun esque like yeah there's those little moments yeah i got a need for speed yeah yeah exactly and and so then we get this next segment of them escaping that she gets in this uh she gets in this aircraft flies it away and this is fine prototype quinjet just wanna like you know it's gonna come up later okay Um, (laughs) thank you jake (laughs) yeah sorry i I just when i noticed it i remember the first time i watched it i was like oh it's like the original quin it's you know the original model of the quinjet and then um you know here it is again i was like oh i gotta make sure i bring that up well i definitely knew it was something important it looked very comic booky so i was like okay this is something that i don't know like this is like a prototype of something, but <laughs> I don't know, so I'm not gonna make a comment on it. And the cat stows away. <laughs> um, okay, and this is again me rolling my eyes, like, oh, this fucking cat. But um, <laughs> and 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 I'm not a cat guy to begin with, so maybe it's that. But because it's just as pointless, well, so I think. And right. and so we we get we get out. They're gonna go try and find this woman, and then we get Jude Law and. Is this is this the guy's name Ronan? Is that is that his name? Is is it the villain from Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. Is is Ronan his name? Like this? Ronin is, oh yes, yes. I'm with sorry. The samurai yes, with Ronan. It's the, the samurai with no master. With, yeah. <laughs> yes, the, it's Ronan. Um, same guy that we will see. I don't know how many movies down the line, but A yes, lot. same guy. Yeah. Okay. Same I, character. Same. You know. 
Yeah, I, I think I just don't, I don't remember his plot line or like his motivations in Guardians. So I'm like, okay, whatever. There he is. And this is when I was like, oh, Jude Law's the bad guy. But we'll confirm that a little bit later, whether or not I'm right or not. And so fast forward, they go to the house of this uh, of of her, I guess, test pilot. And I, I'm trying to Maria. Is that her name? Rambo. Oh, yeah, I, I, think I think that's so. her name. It's, yeah, and I, it, it, very, uh, it's a very interesting scene dy- dynamic where she's working on a plane. She shows up and and like her 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 daughter. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Monica. They are Monica. like, oh my god, you're back, yeah. And they, and then they just like dump all this exposition. At least we weren't pres like privy to the exposition dump. We just kind of cut to the scene of you really expect me to believe all that? And then she boils a pot of water, and it's like, oh, she's a fucking superhero. But um, <laughs> but I'm like, whatever. I don't care. Just keep the plot going. This is already two hour long movie, so let's just keep it going. And we get this very odd scene when like oh wait hey i'm jumping ahead a little bit so we get a little bit more exposition of like well what happened on the night or the day of the crash like the last time you saw us what happened and we get more exposition of how lawson was saying that this this what she created was going to end wars like you're not going to be you're not you're not going to be fighting them you're going to be ending them and you guys i need your help and you guys can be part of something huge. And since in the 90s, I don't know if this is true or not, I don't know when women were were not allowed to fly in combat, when they're allowed to serve in combat, I don't know any of that. But because, so this film narrative goes, because they weren't allowed to fly in combat, um, this was their opportunity to do something. And so Ver's, says hell yeah i'm gonna do this with you and and then we get more of this uh, this emotional dump of of uh, this um, emotional scene of like i watch i watched my like i never saw my best friend again and like here you are and you're expecting me to believe all that like this is right the yeah part of that uh the scene was okay i guess um she did her best the, the actress that plays maria it was okay. Like it was very okay. It was very exposition heavy for me, but it, it you know, was. she did I thought she did her best with what was given. Mm-hmm. In a movie that is doing a lot of showing and not telling, this was a very exposition heavy scene. Yes, agreed. Um and, and I guess just for the extent of the or the sake of the movie, you know, <sighs> You have to tack on another 15 minutes if you're just going to keep showing. Um, so it, I guess it was necessary. Um, I don't have that big of a problem with it, but it, it was there and it was what it was. Yeah. And and this comes in the next moment where like she like this arrogance comes off like very weird in that like neighbor Tom comes up. And it's like, oh, like, can I have my kids come over and to see your plane? And she's like, what do you want? Oh, yeah, that's what you want to do. She's like making fun of this guy. She's just being a dick. And <laughs> and she's and it's like it's under the the guise of, well, you don't know if he's a scrawl. You don't know if he's a shapeshifter. But I'm like, oh, so being a dick is what's going to, you know, help determine 
like I, it was that's just like a really weird scene but then it doesn't think, matter and this is kind of where like i guess um I, I looked at it through a different lens of like still she's in you know she's gotten more information now kind of figured out you know what's going on but all still all she knows about herself is that she is uh like this warrior who has a mission and her mission has slightly changed now, but she's still on a mission and that's always been her personality for as long as for all that she could remember. And that's kind of how I take her in these scenes, um, at least in the beginning and kind of up until her revelation. Um, So I guess that's why I let her get away with it a little bit more than you do. And, and I get that, but at the same time, like, I feel like if she was this warrior, she'd just be like, fuck off and just slam a door in his face. True. And, no, and, and I because agree. this is it a very, because this is a very harsh. Tony Stark thing to do, but it works for Tony Stark because it, it fits his character, this selfish, rich, or this selfish playboy billionaire. And this is just some, like, super soldier. I, I never really got that she was a, like, a sarcastic dick or douche like Tony Stark was, but also Tony Stark is a dick to help establish him and, and establish his arc for where we get an end game. Like mm-hmm. he's supposed to be a dick. So he has room to grow. She's just a dick for the sake of being a dick. Like she is not growing in any sense, in my opinion, but, and I think this just this little interaction, no, no matter how minor goes into that, but then we kind of transition where she, you know, she's wrong. This dude isn't a shapeshifter and the, and the, and Talos is in the house with them and he mm-hmm. kind of outs himself. Well, not, I don't want to say outs, but he just comes out and just says, Oh, you know, maybe he's, he just wants to borrow some sugar. And then he takes a sip <laughs> of, it's like Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs. Like you're going to bark all day, little doggy. You're going to bite. And then he takes a sip of the soda, but, we didn't have that cool line. He just says, "Oh, you might have you wanted to borrow some sugar, sip." So that was like again weird humor. But then we're establishing more, or not establishing. He he kind of comes out and says, "You know, we like there's a reason we're searching for your memory. Like we don't want to weaponize you. Like there's a purpose." And, and we're starting to get into the conv- like how convoluted this can get. Yep. There's a re- like you think we're the bad guys, but that could be further from the truth. And I and but then the that but then the cat comes in, and it's like oh that's a what what do they call it a a flurkin, a, a yeah. And, and it was like what the what? Let me see. Uh, I I gotta okay. Oh, I have a <laughs> uh a flurkin. Okay, what the fuck? Like that is literally my note. <laughs> um. Uh, and and the humor is a little weird too. It's like, oh well, and and I like how Talos is delivering them, where he's just like, well, you see, I have a knack for getting into places that I'm not supposed to be. But then the then the the retort is, well, my foot is, is going to be if you keep talking, my foot's going to be somewhere it ain't supposed to be. I'm like, oh, like, well, what okay, was that supposed to mean? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah, and then they even say, well, what was that supposed to mean? Oh, your ass. I'm like, oh thank you for spelling it out for the seven-year-olds that don't understand. <laughs> Ooh, they said ass. Like, ugh. and maybe I'm just being really hypercritical because I, I think because that, I know what's coming. Right. But that brings up a bigger issue in itself. Uh, I guess if you really want to poke a hole in it, like 
um, Maria brings out this innuendo about like how she's going to shove her foot up his ass. And he doesn't get that reference, but literally every other aspect of human culture, when he's impersonating the uh, shield director, he's able to pick up on and roll with. So if you want to poke a hole in it, you can, because it's like, how, you know, why does he get everything else, but not this one? Um, but again, I think it's kind of what you were saying. It's just for a bit of humor there, just so that, yeah, you can make the joke of like, oh, they said ass. Yeah, exactly. So now what we get next, um, it, do we get the whole, is this where we, we finally remember the whole sequence of what happens? Because that's, I, th- I think my, my notes are alluding to that scene, like when they yes, get into the jet. It, for some, uh, now I'm not remembering how, but I'm pretty sure Talos um, has the black box or has the recording. Oh yeah, that's it. Box. Yes. So then they they listen to them and you know kind of her origin story and what actually happened is revealed to you know her and us as the audience, and we kind of see how she's been brainwashed and fighting for the wrong side uh essentially because lawson dr lawson defected from the kree to try to help the scroll um find their own home world and so on and so forth and the kree were coming after lawson to stop her from doing so and acquire the technology that she was trying to do so with yeah and so Getting into the sequence, I do like the sequence because now we're finally getting the scene that I really, I'm like, oh, the mystery that we're building to. It's what the opening shots of this movie are, where we have the shot of Lawson, like, taking this, her, like, her sidearm up. She's standing. It's a very important point. If I'm, if I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure she's standing and firing. It looks like a battlefield. And, and she, and, uh, and Verge is on the ground. And so we finally get the, the pieces of this puzzle and you know they're flying this alien shooting at them they're having back and forth the this the the spectacles again i i will ne- i will not say anything bad about the visuals for the most part but there's some weird things that happen in this fight and call me nitpicking whatever but at one point she she's showing off how much of a talented pilot she is which i'm digging and she somehow gets beh- she maneuvers herself behind this alien craft and she has it in her sights it's almost like from classic star wars where it's like i have you now she has it in her sights her sights line up and then they start shooting back oh they're shooting backwards at us i have and then she diverts but you just gave up a clear shot at the enemy because they were shooting back at you i i i was like what the hell and then so that just bothered me and then like they get shot down blah 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 they end up down on the ground. Oh, that's the that's the light speed generator. And 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 then Lawson gets shot on the ground. So it pretty much contradicts the the visual we see in the beginning. Yes. And I remember noticing that too. Not my first time around, but my second time around, I was like, wait a second, this you know, unless her memories were altered, but the the Cree were trying to keep these memories from her in the first place, so why would they be altered? Um, but 
yes, I, that was a, something that I noticed too. It's exactly like you said. She was on the ground and she was shot rather than standing up, firing back. Um, is that just a mistake? I guess that's just a mistake. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I'm not even going to comment on that because my next thing that I want to say is like when she gets shot and killed is Lawson. Is this supposed to be like an emotionally cathartic moment for us? Cause it is for her, but I'm questioning why, like, why are they so close? There's so much is told and not shown, but there's not even a lot is told about their relationship. Like we are get, close because she let us fly. Is that, is I that what we're supposed we're, to believe that they gave, that she gave them an opportunity, but I There's think not that's really exactly much it. shown in no. that, like, like this woman embodies the person that she admires most, and the only thing we're given is lip service of, oh, she let us fly, and she was a woman in this, like, male-centric world, which, you know, that could be enough, but we're not given enough of their interactions to really, like, I don't really feel like, oh, she let her fly, so she... So she like so she, now she admires her the most. I don't really buy that, you know. I see where you're coming. Yes, I I agree. Um, the the emotion doesn't hit here, uh, for me either. And you know that might just be. I think we are supposed to buy exactly what you said. Uh, she was the only person that gave them a chance to really spread their wings, no pun intended, and do what no one else would let them do. And, um, you know, I can't relate to that. So I don't think it's, you know, the emotion's not going to be there for me. But I could see how someone else might be able to and um, really be on board with that. Um, Doesn't work for me. Not to say it can't work for anyone else. Yeah, I think it's a good way to, 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 uh, to justify that. But also, so the dust clears and Jude Law is the bad guy and no one saw that coming except everyone. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, Jake, but I saw this coming from the moment he came on screen. And I don't know if that's just because of, I've seen so many movies and I can just kind of predict these things. And, and it's not even that Jude Law was cast. I just was kind of like, I bet this, oh, the, like he's get, they're going to have to fight or something. Like he is instilling the theme into, of this film into her she's going to have to fight him on this or something like that. Like there's always going to be the mat, like the, the student becomes the master versus the master. Like that scene will happen. So did you, well, especially cause that was set up right in the very beginning of, you know, them fighting and you know, whatever of, Oh, you need to, as you said, like you need to control your emotions and just, you know, go with your instincts or whatever. Um, I, obviously knew this was coming because this was my second time around, but, um, you know, first time around by this point in the movie, if you haven't figured it out, you have not seen that many movies and (laughs) been able to, you know, put pieces together for yourself. Yeah. My jaw didn't exactly hit the floor when he walked out, but I, and then we get the scene or the sequence of, Oh, well, I forget some dialogue is spoken and she's like, well, you want, you, you want the light speed like generator? Well, there it is. And then she shoots it. And I really do, again, like this visual. It, it, it reminds me of the creation of Dr. Manhattan where she almost gets like engulfed by, where he gets vaporized, but he's like engulfed by electricity. She gets engulfed by flames, but it's like these bright blue flames that just remind me of, it's just, it's just emitting 
these scenes similar to Watchmen, which I really do enjoy Watchmen, uh, both the film and the graphic novel. I haven't seen the film or the, the series yet, but I really, I'm really digging this moment of like the creation of Vers and Captain Marvel. I, I am rolling with it. I will give it, I will give credit where credit is due. Okay. Oh, how, did I, you, how did you have to feel? Uh, what, what did you feel about that though? Like that, that whole sequence? Um, again, I knew it was coming first time around. I appreciated it because I was like, okay, now it all clicks together. I, I get where, you know, her origin, I feel, you know, I, I understand it now. It all makes sense. Um, where at least, you know, not the plot of the movie so much, but just the, her, her, um, her origin, essentially it, it I appreciate that. I, you know, it works for me. Yeah. And so, and now this is where I feel like it becomes really convoluted because this is when I start getting confused. So these scrolls, they aren't the bad guys. They're essentially refugees in this, in this conflict with the, with the, with the Cree. Cree. Yes. And, I, and so they, they're running like the, the, the scrolls are running from them and and because they're being essentially like decimated. I don't know if it's like ethnic cleansing, but that's just what it feels like. Well, yes, it's, um, it, it's, and you'll get this more in guard, the first guardians with Ronan, the, there, there's the accusers going around. Basically, if you submit to the Cree way of life and reign, then you're fine. If you do not, then you're persecuted. Okay. And the scrolls are unwilling to submit. Okay. Because they started getting really convoluted and, and for me at least, because I, this is when I started getting really confused of like, what, well, so are they bad? So are they saying that they are victims of, of victims of war and they're refugees, but then they kidnap her and they are, and and they're trying to get extract these memories from her somehow they know that she has the memories of of Lawson and Earth and this light speed hyperdrive whatever mm-hmm. i don't know how they knew that but they That's did That's a good point i yeah i and, don't know and and so that was so confusing to me but then i i don't know enough about the conflict and they don't give much perspective on their side where because we're told in the beginning that they are conquering worlds and that's exactly the rhetoric that they would feed people i mean you could you could draw parallels to history not even in american history just literally anything that can help drive a war forward is that you know they are the foreign invaders and they're taking over everything like we have to stop that Mm -hmm. but then they don't really as far as i can tell they like these scrolls don't really give much to not necessarily say that that isn't true, but just say like, well, here's the reality of the situation. Like it's Mm -hmm. a lot more black. It's a lot more uh, like nuanced than this black and white narrative that you're being fed. And so this is where I started getting a little bit confused where I was like, so they aren't the bad guys, but are they, I I don't, is everyone a bad guy? And they're just like the (laughs) less bad guy. Like, I don't understand what's going on right now. I think what they're hoping for really is that you've really come around to Talos at this point. 
and kind of jump on board with him and just take his word to be gospel now and say in him saying that, you know, they're telling you one thing when in reality, it's the other way around. You have to believe me. And then, you know, later you kind of get your proof that he was telling you the truth all along. Which I'm not buying it. And that's just me. <laughs> but uh, another thing for the scene and like kind of moving forward. So then they say, okay, we have to go back. Like I, we have to find her, her lab. This is where her life's work, where her plans are like this ultimate power. We have to go there and we need to pilot. And I gotta say that kid, like Monica, her daughter, is way too overzealous for her mom to, you know, just go, go shoot off into space and everything. Like, and I and I and I love the passion and the enthusiasm of just like you're gonna pass up the you're you're gonna pass up this opportunity to fly the most important mission in human history. I I get it, I get it, but it shouldn't be coming from a ten year old child, right? Uh, I- she doesn't know I think if mom's going to come out of it, you know? Well, yeah. yeah. And, of course, you know, a 10-year-old's not going to understand the gravity of that situation. But I think what they were really just trying to do here is have, like, that moment. Because, obviously, this movie is trying to, um, you know, send a certain message to uh, women and, you know, little girls. Um, and I think they're trying to have, like, a... a not a cutesy moment there, but they're trying to, you know, really get another punch in on that, um, that idea right there of this little girl really helping push that narrative forward of saying like, mom, think about the little girls out there who will be so inspired by you. And that, you know, that line is also coming from a little girl who's waiting to be inspired by her own mother. Which, I, I, again, I, 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 I like that idea of like you're like don't pass up on this opportunity, but it shouldn't be coming from this child, ten like, year old who doesn't. You know, when I when I was take it all in. when I was like that age, like death scared the shit out of me. Like, because yeah. and and like that. I mean, I'm not gonna go into like science and <laughs> and like how children develop, but like this is like they're afraid of death because they're starting to understand like how permanent it is. And that's just like really overthinking it, but I, it's just, it, it's again, it's just trying to give me some more fuel to be like, this shouldn't be coming from this character. It should be coming from Talos or Nick Fury or shit. It should reverse for all I care, but it should be coming from someone that's not a child. Yeah. Um, okay. And then maybe the child says like, mom, I'm proud of you. Like, that's all we need, you know, or like mom, my mom's my hero. Like, that's all we need. Something as simple as that, because Children aren't going to be talking like that, but, or maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but that's just my perspective. No, uh, trust me. You're, I think you're kind of <laughs> on track. You would, you would know, Jake. Yeah, I'm um, not going to get too far yeah. into how I would know, but uh, yeah. You know. Uh, so then the next sequ- se- sequence, we just get her kind of figuring out her outfit and, uh, you know, it's fun. I like it, whatever. It's, it's, it's like a fun, cute moment between uh, this a superhero, a literal superhero and a kid. Like it should, I feel like, like I would like this regardless. I, I do like the interaction. I do like how Brie Larson is playing it very soft. And this is when the emotion I feel like does work. And, and like, I wish she played it stoically, but then when she was around Monica, she, she became uh, the character that she was 
mm-hmm. in, in her past life. But I do like the moment. And after this, uh, we we get into the ship and we're going to go fly into this, into this base above, which we, we had that little, that little side banter of like, Oh, it's in earth's orbit. And Talos turns to his guy and says, it's like my you, top scientist couldn't figure couldn't, this out. Yeah. And you know who that is? Well, you didn't play grand theft auto like the story, but that's Wade. That's the, uh, that's the, um, Oh, what are those clowns called? He's a, he's a juggalo. He plays a juggalo in G- Grand Theft Auto. He plays this idiot juggalo, huh. which I think is funny that it's like, you're my top scientist. He's like, oh, I don't know. We can figure it out from there. Like, it was like, oh, that's <laughs> funny. Like, and that's just meta knowledge that I'm bringing into it. It's, I'm not saying that that's what the Marvel creators were trying to get at, but I just thought it was funny that this dude who plays this idiot <laughs> is, is the top it. scientist. Um, but and then we get another little little bit of dialogue where they're kind of explaining how not explaining but they're talking about how the scrolls uh, can turn into anything like well can you turn to that can you turn to this can you turn into a cat he's like I'll give you fifty bucks if you turn into a Venus flytrap right now you like that works like well, he's like can you turn into a cat he's like why would I want to turn into a cat <laughs> no, like like it's just so dry like the delivery is what works for me and I think it's a good shift like it's a good transition because now we're getting into our third and final act where mm-hmm. this is where i think like the meat is going to come into this whole thing and so we land on this it's like this cold cloaking device they land in this this lab and we find out that this is where refugees of of the scrolls are are hanging out including talos's family yes. and i do like this moment when they all come out and he does his little, uh, I guess, like, like rookie call. Yeah, his, his call, and like his family comes out, and I and I did like this moment, and she and she and she pulls on, uh, uh, and she well she pulls on a a verse, and it's like oh like space invader, and it's like and she has the high score, and she's like so proud of herself for having the score, and the, and the line following, well if I. Yeah, Nick, that was Nick Fury, game. right? He, he yeah. Was, if I played the same pinball game for six years, I'd have a good score too. Like that, like again, like that works. But I think it's because I'm a sucker for like cute families, like or family moments, and even if hard ass Mike, Mike is a uh, yeah, I know, I got a, I, I got, yeah, you know, I got the I got the uh, the heart of iron, but it, it breaks for families and for children. families, um, puppies and children. Oh God. It's talk to me about Gus, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an inside joke, everybody. But, um, but here we get the technology and Holy shit. We have the Tesseract back, which, yes, which is actually something that go ahead, finish your sentence. And then I'm going to jump in. It was confusing, but I rolled with it. I, because was I it knew, confusing? Because I didn't, because I thought the Tesseract got destroyed in Captain or Captain America: The First Avenger. But then I know you were alluding to like it's the first kind of allusion to the expanded, the literal expanded universe. And I thought, okay, I can roll with that. But now there's another one on Earth. Like, so how many Tesseracts Here's, are there? Okay, so there's one. Tesseract, and this is where I come up with a problem, and I need to read more about it because I'm glad you noticed this because I have it written down to make sure I bring it up. The last time we saw the Tesseract was in the 40s um, with Captain America. It 
burned a you know it vaporized quote unquote oh right um, red skull and then it burned a hole through the bottom of yeah. the ship fell into the ocean and then Howard Stark ended up fishing it out of the ocean so oh. up until this point okay. the last time we saw the tesseract Howard Stark was getting out of the ocean and now all of a sudden it's in orbit around the earth it's not that unreasonable you know you know it's technically pegasus was a joint air force nasa base so it's not that unreasonable that the that nasa and the air force got it from howard stark um which then eventually was taken by lawson up to her space lab but for as big of a deal as the tesseract has been so far and may or may not continue to be we need to know more in my opinion we need to know more about that transition and it might seem like i'm being nitpicky about something right now but um i think anyone could really jump on board uh, you know people who really care about this universe and everything could jump on board and say yeah how did it go from point a to point b well, you're talking to the king of nitpicks, so it's okay. <laughs> um, and it's not a nitpick. I think it's a le- it's a legitimate thing because this is a, a a a huge thing in this world, like this tesseract. I I don't I can't believe I forgot that it it like dissolved through the bottom of that like big U two bomber um, that uh, the Red Skull had. For some reason, I thought it just like disapparated and just kind of became like it just transported itself anywhere but now that you mentioned that okay now i mean that that wasn't like the biggest point of like where the hell did the tesseract come from i just thought it was weird like because in my mind i thought it just disappeared and it's like oh well now it's here how did that happen but now that you explain it i have more context to that but so again, this whole reversal of oh, these are the like now these are the refugees. These, like the the villains are the good guys, and and the good guys the good are guys like are the, the villains, yeah. which is fine. But I'm just like not under. I don't have enough context to this conflict that it's does it's not impactful to me. If anything, now I'm trying to figure out like whose allegiances are to who because even after we figured out that these guys are refugees, I still thought that they were going to try and fuck over earth and captain marvel and and nick fury and and our heroes at some point but that's just because i was imparting my own i don't want to say bias just what i thought would happen because i didn't understand like what would be narrative not that it's interesting but i was just trying to figure out what was happening and then jude law comes in they take everyone hostage including vers and they essentially have this mobile device that or mobile transport unit that they put the artificial intel like the hive collective to talk to her and it starts off very weird to begin with in that yeah. nirvana's yes. playing on vinyl and vinyl. Like, oh, music you like the oh yeah good touch and i i like that was so forced and weird and then this is when we get this whole this whole oppression by only men like now we're getting even more flashbacks of what we've seen already but you know we get her dad we get 
people throwing baseballs at her because she's a girl playing baseball. We get her uh, wiping out on her bike. We have the flashback to the military guys. You'll never fly. They, why do they call it a cockpit? You're going to hurt yourself. Uh, that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so forced. However, with that being said, I think the most powerful moment of the film is when she says, yes, but I, st- but I, that was, that's what makes me human. And then we show each and every moment of her standing, standing up defiantly. Back, yep. And that was awesome. That well, and then, was the best part of this movie. Okay. That I think is what little girls should point to and say, in 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 less words that I'm not going to say, but as well, what I'm going to say, but not, don't say it like me. So they should be going <laughs> "fuck yes" in their own uh, words. Fuck yes. yeah, that's awesome. Because I'm saying that's awesome. Well, not, they shouldn't say that because I'm saying it's awesome. But I'm going with the movie and saying that that is a spectacular theme to get across to women, to especially little girls, but just like women anyone anyone watching this movie stand back up and that's that's, why i think when i first finished this movie from my first time around i had you know that exact scene in my mind when i went home and i was like you know talking to my family about it and i was like you know based on like the right that right there that's what i would want any little girl anywhere to know it's like Take a look at this and just like, you know, be inspired, whatever, you know, whatever you need it to be for you, let it be that. And kind of what you were saying before, um, we talked about it way earlier in the cast, and this is what I wanted to get circle back to eventually when we got here. All those um, times where it was, you know, her being put down by a man, so on and so forth. I think it was interesting, though, that when she finally um, broke the shackles that were restricting her, it was to, it was in like face to face with the person who she admired most, even though it wasn't, you know, that person. It was just an artificial intelligence taking the form of that person, but it wasn't to a male figure. It was to a female figure that she finally stood up and, you know, unshackled herself in front of rather than, you know, um, Jude Law's character or anyone else. It was to her, uh, Dr. Lawson, or the figment of Dr. Lawson, a woman, rather than any of the men in her life. Yeah, and I think that is a really interesting uh visual that they have and the the other part of this that i do like is you know accept who you are and it's the the it's the other side of her it's verse it's it's we find out her name is is uh carol danvers and the verse is like the second half of her of her dog tag that was found well i guess that they had or something like that i'm like oh that's you know making it full circle it's like the shell of who she was and she says no i'm carol danvers and she accepts herself and then we get this bit of well i've been fighting with an with one hand behind my back what happens if i'm totally free and she takes off that chip that you that you were mentioning that i thought everyone had but it was just to control her Mm -hmm. and then suppress her yeah, suppressor and, and controller, and she breaks it. And this is when she comes out 
and she just uh, like she is freak, now she's like super full op yeah, yeah super scion man yeah. like she is just <laughs> she is messing she's just destroying everyone without a chance like yes it's no and, contest right now and, and like this scene so one the music was weird it was very it was just so on the nose it was just like i'm a girl i'm a girl i'm a girl well, what and, song was it it was pat it, was it i have no idea no i just heard i'm a girl and it was like kind of punky and i did but but the reason i didn't care was because i was rolling my eyes because this scene should be the i'm gonna stand up in my chair and just be like hell yeah like this should be like every like this is the moment when everyone in the audience should be cheering and i'm sure people are but i'm not because i don't i feel like this moment is so undeserved and 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 not earned i guess because in the beginning of the movie she is she is almost fighting with with she's fighting with two handicaps she can't use her fists and she can't use her powers she is in an unknown alien environment she doesn't know where she is and she's able to take down eight of the quote unquote best guys best guys and now if you're going to tell me that's the incompetence of this group you're now calling your new heroes incompetent um but I don't feel like it's earned because there was no struggle. There was no physical struggle. There was no emotional struggle that I felt like other than this idea of like, I don't know who I am, this identity crisis, but that I feel like is so weak because it's not what the theme of this movie is of controlling or control versus uh, letting go of your emotions. So when she just starts whipping everybody's ass, I don't care because I've seen her whip everyone's ass already so this yeah. isn't special so i i mean it's more flashy i guess and she's taking down her old squad mates but they didn't do anything to her so like they, they never they, orders, they never yeah. it's not it's not even that they never bested her in any capacity so she's not overcoming them she's just beating them and then <laughs> the humor is like yeah oh, whatever um but yeah, and then we get the side bit of Samuel L. Jackson and um, and Maria escaping with the cat. The cat, well, we missed a little bit where they scan the cat, and it's like, oh, threat level high. So high, and, and then they scan, Nick Fury. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they scan <laughs> Nick Fury, yeah, nothing. He's like, well, that thing's broken. And then the cat turns into this, like, Cthulhu monster yep. and kills everyone, and then it eats the Tesseract. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, so they were setting up this damn cat for this? Okay. It is a flurkin. Oh my god, it's a flurkin. Whatever the fuck that is. But uh <laughs> um and and this is where I, I have to admit, despite me not liking this flurkin or this stupid cat, the the bits with Nick Fury like, do your thing, do your thing. Like that was funny. Well, like pick I have a to admit. Side, cat, yeah. Um so and then it just like abruptly ends but it abruptly ends because talos transform he transforms himself into one of the guards and he's mm -hmm. you know trying to change the tide of this fight although i don't know why he needs to change the tide of the fight because because <laughs> uh verse is just going to come out and whip everyone's ass anyway uh, yeah, but I mean, he—they don't know that right now. Yeah, but just... I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yes, I do think that's a bit random, and 
like I said, like in essence, this is just so boring to me. It's just. Well, it's I thought just... that one bit where you know he he's able to tip off Nick Fury to say like, "Hey, it's me. Don't worry, just go with it." Oh yeah, um, I, like that was fun too. Uh, I I want to just throw that out there. But I just feel like the spectacle. It's just a spectacle for spectacle's sake. And essentially, what the the uh this most recent star wars trilogy became or maybe what the last skywalker became in my opinion it was just spectacle for spectacle's sake which jj abrams has done before mm-hmm. and and you know by the end of this marvel like this marvel journey we can talk about star wars and the lack of plan but and it's interesting because this movie came out in 2019 not and and the last skywalker came out not too long after this that you know spectacle for spectacle's sake seems to be the new plan for disney this seems to be the mo the new calculated corporate this is what people like just big explosions and nothing really going on hide behind yeah yeah as you said explosions spectacle and you know we the meat and potatoes doesn't have to be there if we uh if we make them go, ooh, and ah. Yeah, and this goes back to the, and, and just call me like a film snob or something, but this goes back to that Ryan Hollinger old boy fight video where there's no shifting of power dynamics. Like someone is always dominating until I get, I mean, at least Captain Marvel is always dominating. And that's just not interesting. There's There's nothing narratively going on there outside of her just like, destroying and being op and just super signing all over the place so uh we so then we essentially we get everyone into the aircraft uh you know talos kills the soldiers he gets hit in the shoulder in front of his daughter which i thought they were going to kill him which i'm kind of glad they didn't because i yeah i am he, a he's my favorite character in this movie yeah i think he definitely is one of those that I like the most, especially since he's a family man. Like I can be a, a little bit of a softy <laughs> dis- despite what you've been hearing the last two hours, but we get in, we get in the ship, we get off. Uh, I don't, they destroy the, this, uh, this lab. It did blows up essentially. No, I, I don't think it does. Well, either way they leave. And like yes. what happens to the base is not important to they me. They blow up. Um, I think they blow up the Cree craft as they're leaving but that's like the that um Jude Law and all of his cohort showed up in I think they destroyed their ship but that's the okay extent of it. yeah so then they they fly out we have this big elongated chase sequence where Captain Marvel learns how to fly fuck it why not i it doesn't even (laughs) matter at this point like she could she could turn invisible for all i care like this doesn't matter you don't have to explain anything i'm already frustrated and and she's just so op dude like this is this isn't fun and then and then the i guess more cree like the armada shows up and they start sending i guess like warheads down yeah she she grabs one in th- one one and throws it and takes out all of them and then she flies up into the atmosphere and takes out more of them and she's laughing when doing it and this is when i'm just saying fuck this movie dude like i am getting upset because <laughs> i don't want to say there's no stakes cuz i think that's not really 
much of a well, that's that's not I don't care about that. That's not I, I this is not a movie where I say stakes don't matter. I'm not expecting her to be hurt in this, but she's laughing when she's like taking out like hundreds of people with with like barely it's like what is it in kung fu panda with the like the pinky punch or something oh. like skadoosh like that's what she's doing right now and but we're there it works because it's funny and you got all this build up and all this stuff like here she's just like laughing she's like woohoo like it's like she's fucking mm-hmm. anakin skywalker and just won the pod race and i'm like oh my god this is awful well, you're right. It, the stakes are like not established anymore, and and basically, you're supposed to see how OP she is because this movie came out in between. You know, it just without, feels you know, so... saying too much. You know, in the Marvel universe, when this movie came out, all hope felt like it was lost. So, th- them putting this in there of like this badass unstoppable character is supposed to make you go oh well wait maybe not so i think that's what you know the the stakes were just not established it in this chronological order for her um because you're like nothing can stop her in the 90s but you know, when you take a step back and look at it all together, you're like, oh, maybe there is a match for her down the road. And like, I get that, but it just feels like, why did we watch this movie? Is it a woman? Is it too? Is it a woman empowerment empowerment movie? Because if that's the case, then you could do that so much better. Are we trying to get like build a character for? captain marvel because there is no character or it's not that there's no character there's just no plight she starts the movie an op badass and she ends the movie a super powered op badass like there's no growth of this character outside of she under she learns her origins and she just swaps sides again has a you know like purpose in life like that's not that's not interesting that's not narratively interesting now if you know she struggled with the first hour and the first act or two and then she became this op monster or not even monster like this op like just superhero then i would more than likely be behind it but there was no struggle behind this you know we all like we all love rooting for an underdog I think that's why we yeah. like we like that's cheering for Captain America. We like cheering for Tony. Well, Tony Stark's not an underdog, but we like cheer like we like cheering for like characters like Steve Rogers because they have been beaten so low that now they are given the tools to fight back. And we like <laughs> it's like it's like why Rocky will always be this like classic film because he's the epitome of the underdog. He's given the opportunity and he rises up to the challenge. And whereas this is just, she's just this natural, awesome person who, who she learned how to fly and she learned how to harness her powers in a better way. Was she, I, I, so this just isn't interesting to me. It's just annoying. And, and so what I do like though is how Ronan is just fucks off where he's just like, <laughs> Nope, 
nope, like I'm not doing this right now. But I guess he says, oh, we'll come back. We'll come back. Yeah. We're not coming back for the Tesseract. We're coming for the weapon. We're coming back for the warrior. I'm like, good fucking luck, buddy. Uh, <laughs> she just blew up two of your ships. and Two? You know. She blew up like a hundred of your ships, man. Good luck. Why are you smirking about? <laughs> run with your tail <laughs> Run with your tail between <laughs> your legs. That's what it felt like. Um, it's, it's almost like the equivalent of him being like, yeah, we planned for this to happen, you know? <laughs> um, so now we get the ending of the film. I guess it's supposed to conclude this this theme of of you know controlling your emotions that we kind of set up in the beginning that we have to address now. And this is what I want to bring up. I mentioned it earlier. The YouTube channel Filmento, another uh, YouTuber uh, who does film essays, and I, I he. I believe he's a he, he's a screenwriter of some capacity, and he was breaking down Wonder Woman and this and why he specifically said why Wonder Woman is memorable and this is forgettable. And one of the things he said was Wonder Woman that and that we've been alluding to throughout this is that it had it may be flawed, but at least it stuck to its narrative, it stuck to its themes, and it fleshed them out. Whereas in Captain Marvel, it it kind of has all these different themes going on. It doesn't really know what it wants to do. So now we're at this very end with this control your emotions versus, you know, be stoic. And it's almost reversed. You know, in the beginning of the movie, they're fighting. Jude Law is saying, you have to control your emotions. Like you're going to, it's, it's your weakness, just not having control. Mm -hmm. And then she becomes emotional and quote unquote loses control doesn't really have much of that conflict throughout the rest of the movie until the very end and now it's almost suddenly reversed jude law is like foaming at the mouth screaming at her like oh this is your final test prove to me prove to me and then she's just standing there stoically and then she shoots him with a beam of concentrated energy and sends him flying 500 yards in the other direction and she bets him it's so and says i've got i've got nothing to prove which, Which I think is more so just in there to be that, you know, powerful piece of, you know, imagery for women rather than much else of just like, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. And I do like that line, but it's so anticlimactic for yeah. this like master versus student fight at the end of the movie. And I, I, and so, and then I guess this ends. This leads into why she shows up in Infinity War at the very end because she's too busy. She's too busy doing what? What is she doing exactly? Jake, she's, enlighten me. What? Like I know she's helping the the scrolls out. She's helping the scrolls out, and she's become her own version of a guardian of the galaxy. Just you know, being a galactic police officer, more or less, flying around to different worlds and doing what needs to be done for the greater good okay because i was like oh so she's not in endgame like or not endgame uh infinity war which seems to be a very pivotal moment for the entire universe if if i understand correctly um <laughs> and she's not there because she's trying to save other people that most likely one one <laughs> one of every two people will not be there at the end of this conflict um so whatever and now let's get into you know my favorite part of the movie jake do you 
Oh my God, I can't believe this happened in this movie. We finally found out how Nick Fury lost his eye and it's to a <laughs> fucking stupid joke. That's how he lost his eye, to a dumbass cat scratching his eye out. Are you fucking kidding me? That's well, how I, Nick Fury loses his eyes to a dumbass cat. I see. I I I like it. I think it's funny just because of, especially you know, this. We finally learn how he loses the eye towards the end of all of these phases, and it's just like hardened. Like I said, hardened Nick Fury. We have to save the MF and planet from these MF and aliens. And, like, all of this shit that he's been through and everything, he loses his eye, ba- like you said, basically because of a, fucking around with a, cat. a cat scratch. And even, like, like, even when it happens, he goes, it's just a scratch. It'll be okay. And Talos has that line of, oh, it's not going to be okay. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I guess you could take it however you want to take it. I, I liked it. I, I thought it was funny, you know, just, like, Again, a lighthearted moment for not a lighthearted moment, but just like a light moment for this character who's really just when the shit hits the fan, he's the one there cleaning it up and dealing with it and figuring it out. So it's just like I think it's a funny just character element that now is stuck with him forever. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean that's one way to look at it. I guess because I just didn't like this cat at all. That I was like. That's how he loses his eye. That's how he loses his eye. Like it seems like almost my reaction is what like people want. Like, are you kidding me? And I feel like at Gladiator was like, this is what. Are you not entertained? <laughs> um, so then I just feel like this end is just like one thing after another that is just so grown. So the next bit that I have is, oh, what would Marvel Marvel? What would Marvel say about this? Oh my god, dude, just slap me in the face. This is so stupid. They're doing dishes. Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. I like Marvel more. Like it's not even yeah. like like oh my god, are you kidding me? Like this movie is just for me just nose diving. Like this is not working for me. It's well, so on the nose and not clever for that to some extent is more so a nod to her character's true origins because based on what if i'm remembering correctly she kind of got her powers in like a a green lantern situation where it was passed on to her so carol danvers was something or other uh air force you know it's that part if i get it wrong i'm not that worried about but you know the kree came to our to earth and uh, a kree commander captain marvell was his actual name he died and um he passed on his powers to her at that point so i think it's that piece is there more so to pay homage to that aspect of it which i guess kind of stuck here because turns out dr lawson was actually captain marvell um and that's kind of where she uh pulls her name from and everything so i think that's kind of what they're going at a little bit more here with this is trying to especially because they muddled in my opinion the comic book origin so much they're trying to at least give some type of wink or nod to its uh, origination from at that point in the movie. Yeah, I get, and I guess I have no context, so I'm just like rolling my eyes at this. And then 
I guess like fast forwarding, she goes off, she's going to try and, uh, she's going to use this, this, uh, this tool for what it was meant to be used for to end wars. I, I, I don't understand how she's going to be ending wars with this. She's is is kick it just ass until uh, all the wars stop? She's going to, she's going to kill everyone the until there's, everyone until, until there's, there's no one left to fight. Yeah. She's going to kill everyone until there's no one to fight. Of course. Uh, <laughs> but I, I got it more that she's going to help people run, which I don't understand how that ends wars, but I, I also at this point wasn't really paying attention. I was just waiting for the movie to end. And and then we get the final bit with Nick Fury sitting in his office with with Coulson and you know the eye patch is on there. He he brings him some fake eyes. He's like, oh, did you really lose your eye? You know, d- it was burned out by uh yeah <laughs> by, by the, the by the by the creels or because you 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 didn't give up the test racks. Like I will not confirm nor deny that story, which worked, <laughs> but. Oh, we, it's like, we need more. This realization of like, there's the universe is larger than we, than we thought. And, you know, there will be more. We need, we need people here to help us fight this. And this is the beginning, the, the inception of the Avenger initiative, the Avenger project. But we get the Avenger name because it was Ver's nickname on her on her uh her uh f jet whatever her jet whatever whatever it is yeah and i again if this movie made me feel like that was earned i would go for it but i didn't i didn't it didn't feel earned to me so it was a groaner Mm -hmm. i'm like this woman is the you're telling me she is the strongest avenger ever that she is the she is the what's the word she's the reason for the creation or she's the inception like they named the avenger project after her she helped them realize that there are bigger threats outside of you know the earth and they're naming this project in her memory and that just didn't feel earned to me at all and so jake how did you take them naming the avengers after her um i don't think i felt one way or another too much about it but i I keep taking it back to the you know i i think in the grand scheme of the marvel universe this movie was again it was just based on when it came out um amongst other things it's one of its main purposes was to inspire hope that maybe not all is lost so I think that's, uh, I have an easier time believing that the Avenger initiative was, you know, named after her in some way, shape or form, because she, at this point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, release order, she's like, uh, you know, you're my only hope, Obi-Wan. She's our only hope right now. Hmm. Okay. That, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting way, but to look at it, and for me... I just, I just feel like it's not earned. And, and that's what I feel like a lot of this movie is. It's just, it, it just, I don't know why it exists. Is it, <laughs> is it to like set up this character, this OP character of like, like if it's just to set up like, okay, this is why she's overpowered. Did we really need that? Cause there was no growth of the character. Oh, she found out her origins and, oh, this is why she's not at the end of infinity war. But 
and I haven't seen Endgame. I don't know how she plays a role in Endgame, so I can't really comment on that. Well, let's let's make sure we keep a note of that so that you could, because um, I obviously have an opinion on you know whether or not her role in Endgame is justified, and um, we'll definitely be able to jump back to this at some point too. Does this movie help? Um, I shouldn't say help. Um, but does this movie justify, you know, her role in Endgame, no matter how big or small it may be? Yeah, and one one more detail that we forgot to mention is that she gives back, she gives Fury his uh, his pager back and says, mm-hmm. "You can call me on this, like this intergalactic pager, but only use it for emergencies." And in my head, I'm like, oh, "Okay, what bigger emergency than, you know." almost half the life of the unknown universe being <laughs> fucking wiped out. And, and so that's our mid our mid credit sequence is the Avengers call using the pager to call captain Marvel. And they don't know who they're calling, right? but they're just, they're calling, they're calling, they're calling. They lose. They, the signal they know and then it she's came there. from fury. So they assume it's important. Yes. And then she's there. Uh, what, uh, what, what happened to fury? And then, oh, Captain Amer- or Captain Marvel will appear in Endgame, which I do yes. kind of like those nods. Like these characters will return, um, and so then that's like kind of the main credits because our at, our end credit sequence, which I don't think it's important. It's a it's a another joke with this stupid cat that I clearly don't <laughs> like. Um, it, with it's he he coughs up the tesseract as a hairball and then yes. that's it i'm like it's oh on fury's desk so but i mean which i don't know if that's important or not but it's it's worth noting where the tesseract is at this point in time um i'm not gonna say why but it's like 1995 is that what you mean just keep track of it keep okay. track of it the last you know Going into the next movie, which is technically Iron Man, the last place we've seen the Tesseract was sitting on Nick Fury's desk in the 90s. Okay. Um, And I don't think we even touch on the Tesseract in Iron Man, do we? Yeah, you're asking the wrong guy. (laughs) Unless it's the first one. I'm like 90. No. Well, yeah. That's all I'm talking about right now. Okay. Any of the other ones, but I'm like super. Um, like when we don't, don't talk so. about it at all in Iron Man One. Um, I don't think so. So, I mean, I'm not gonna say where it'll come up if it does come up again, but just keep track of the fact that it's last we saw the Tesseract. It was on Nick Fury's desk on Earth in the '90s. Okay. All right. We'll do. So that kind of, that concludes the movie. So why don't we get into closing thoughts and final recommendations? So I feel like I should go first since I had the, (laughs) the most negative response to this. (laughs) So I, I think it's no secret that this movie frustrated me to no end. I think just coming at it from not having any context of future movies and where all like I have some of the pieces right now I feel like I was was gonna say I feel like uh Vers in the beginning of this movie like I have all these memories (laughs) but I don't know where they fit yet great connection and so this and so this movie I, I I don't know like each movie I'm trying to be like okay how where does this piece go and I feel like that Captain 
or that Captain Marvel is the is the jigsaw piece that came from a different puzzle and I can just throw over to the side of my shoulder. Like I I really and that's just from right now. We're only three movies of 20 into this. So I don't know. But going into this movie, I, I really don't know what this film contributed to the MCU outside of giving a little bit more of a thorough, I don't even, I use that that word very loosely, uh, exploration, again, another loose term of this character. And maybe just like, oh, now we know where the Tesseract is and, oh, these characters were interacting at this point. But outside of that, like, did I need to sit here for two hours and, and try and figure that out? I don't know. I'll let you know eventually. But for right now, I, I, I didn't really enjoy this movie. I was just frustrated by the, the direction, the, the, it seemed like they wanted to go with this woman empowerment theme, but they couldn't, but that's such a broad topic that they couldn't figure out a more specific way or detailed way to approach it and to handle it appropriately. So instead they, they took this broad topic and they kind of had like two or three poorly fleshed out uh, subtopics that would hope, hopefully feed into that. And I thought they, they more failed, but they did succeed in some aspects, but those aspects were few and far between. Uh, Brie Larson, I don't really know what to make of you. I mean, I'm trying to just, I'm, I'm just trying to judge her on her portrayal of this character, not her, her, her perpetuating this woke, this woke culture outside of the movie so mm -hmm. i'm trying not to let that influence how i view her but i mean she was just kind of like okay i guess um you know samuel L. jackson was the saving grace for this movie for me just for the the presence that he brings and and how he's able to rein in brie larson and the captain marvel character uh, it is visually spectacular so i will give it that like this is a very awesome looking movie but outside of that, I, I, I don't think I will ever return to this movie ever again. So uh, I'm glad I gave it a try. Glad I was exposed to it. But I, in the end, didn't like it. And this is going to be a very low ranking. Uh, I'm going to give this a... Man, I'm jumping back and forth between two. And I don't know... Like two ratings. And I don't know which one I want to well, say the most. Why don't you um, let me recap it i won't give my score to influence you but okay. just listen to my recap um and uh then throw out your scores and see uh from there but what i was going to say about this movie was um i think in terms of what it tries to say and do for women is very admirable i like i said before going home after seeing this movie uh i was like you know if you want to watch a movie about a woman who literally kicks ass and if you are a woman who will be inspired by that then this is a great movie for you i think i like the fact that on like because obviously there's going to be lots of comparisons between it and wonder woman I think what I like about this is that there's no Steve Trevor in this movie. You know, Wonder Woman, she still couldn't escape the love interest and all of that. And 
what have you. And that's a whole nother topic, but it was still there. It was something that they didn't not, they, they didn't leave out of that movie. I like that there was no, you know, love interest or really the, the only man in her life was Nick Fury in this movie. And he was almost like a, a sidekick to some extent. Um, whereas she was still in control the entire time. Um, even when she wasn't in control, as we've learned. Uh, I think that, like you said, it's tough to tell how to take Brie Larson because she was very back and forth on how she portrayed the character. Um, To some extent, I didn't mind it. To another extent, I did. You know, some things felt for, some things worked kind of where we saw a little differently was how we took her character. I kind of just went in feeling that she is this, you know, one track mind mission oriented woman. And a lot of the things she said or did, I wrote off to that being the case. Farther than that though. um, Yes. And, but yeah, on the flip side of the coin, there was, you know, the quippiness and how just easy everything came to her basically. Um, once she became powered up and all of that, that was irritating because as you said, countless times, there was no struggle for her besides an internal struggle. Um, which I guess, you know, depending on how you want to look at things could speak volumes in and of itself, but it's not what we're used to seeing so much um with these films but not to say not to diminish you know an internal struggle versus a a more physical external struggle at the end of the day i'm also kind of between two scores is this one of my favorite marvel movies no um how important do i think this (laughs) how important do i think this plays into the overall universe uh i think it's important in the sense that we need to see what a badass she is and how OP she is. Like I said, you know, to some extent she's this universe's Superman uh, where it's just nothing can stop her and, you know, nothing slows her down. She's, you know, up there in the power scale with Thor and Hulk. Um, And we, we not going to say that, but um, not going to say it as I can make the point later. I can't make that point now. Uh, there was definitely some good things that happened in this movie. Uh, I loved her dynamic with Nick Fury. Uh, Talos was huge for me. He he definitely bought this movie a lot of brownie points, in my opinion. Uh, end of the day, did she need a movie? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. To some extent, I think she filters into this universe, and we had to see that to another extent, I think. Wonder Woman did so well and was so well received that Marvel, whether or not they had a plan for Captain Marvel, Marvel could look at Wonder Woman and say, oh, wow, that worked out really well for them. Let's make sure that this, you know, if it was on the drawing board, it definitely got greenlit. And if it was already greenlit, they, it just confirmed to them, yeah, we've got to get this out there. Um, not like I said, not one of my top movies. I think I've got it at like. Uh, Do you want me to go first? 
yeah, yeah. Why don't you do that? And so, then I'll throw out my score. Yeah. So I will. So my rating is going to be very low. Uh, it's not going to be like at dinosaur level. Like it's not going to be a negative number, <laughs> but uh, I think hearing you sum up these points was good because it would have been lower if you didn't. And I, I hear what you're saying and I appreciate some of the, the, the messages they have. So without, you know, putting my, my mouth even further into my, or my foot further into my mouth. Uh, I will say I'm, I'm going to give Captain Marvel a four out of 10. I know that seems kind of wow. harsh, but I, I, I just feel like narratively it's, it's two hours of just watching this character not struggle and just be an overpowered badass. And that's just not interesting to me. Uh, there's nothing that I feel like I want to return to this movie for. Uh, there are movies that have much that have had a female focused protagonists that are much stronger. I mean, for example, just just go watch Mad Max for your road. If you want a female driven cast of, of female driven cast and strong female protagonists like I, I don't that that just is like the first movie that comes to my mind. So and it's an action movie at that, too. So in the action, I feel like is is there's a lot more meat to that action. And there's struggle and there's drama and there's emotion as opposed to this where, you know, there's some drama, there's some emotion, but it's just hampered down by visual spectacle. So that's mine. Uh, I guess that would put this at the lowest rung. It would be Iron Man, Captain America, the first Avenger and Captain Marvel. Okay. Uh, I ended up going with a, uh, this is currently ranked for me nowhere in my top 10 at all, but based on the three that we've seen so far, this one ranks in the middle. I, I put it at a seven and a half. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but it, you're getting Marvel fanboy bias out of this because uh, I don't think I'm going to have anything below like a six. So this is low on my Marvel scale, uh, probably high on, uh, on just a general scale. But I think that's just because you know, a lot of movies for me are going to be over eight. Um, okay. In my opinion. Well, that's fine. I mean, and there's nothing wrong. If you want to, you want if you want to give this a 10 out of 10, I'm not going to like come through the computer and smack you or anything, you know, before we talked about it, you may have, <laughs> <laughs> eh, maybe not, but, um, but, uh, do you want to, so as we've been ending a lot of these, do you, wh where was the Stanley cameo? I specifically oh, did not mention it. Uh, just so we could uh, bring it up here. <laughs> this one could not have been more clear either because like even the music changed when he came on screen. And it was, it was just uh, when we're getting this whole chase scene of Carol um, chasing the, uh, the surfer dude scroll who changed into an old lady uh, through the train. You know, she's running through the train looking for... Uh, which he is now is assuming or was still the surfer dude. And there's someone sitting there holding up a newspaper. So she tips the newspaper down to see who's behind it. And it's Stanley just sitting there and the music gets like all upbeat for, you know, and they smile at each other. And then, yeah. They smile. She look, puts the neighbor back up and then goes, you know, music cuts back down again. And then she goes on her way. Um, well, interestingly enough, 
Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I was gonna say he was reading the script for Mallrats. I guess he had a cameo in that film. I don't. I haven't seen Mallrats since maybe I was in high school, and this was before I got into Kevin Smith, so I don't remember him be Kevin Smith being a huge comic book guy. I mean, shit, he has comic book heroes. I think that's just the name of the show on AMC. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to get Stanley to do a cameo, but he was reading the, again, further saying this is the mid nineties with what other than, you know, one of the top independent film filmmakers of the mid nineties of Kevin Smith. The the only, it could have, the only other way it could have been more nineties if it is if he was reading like a Tarantino script, but um, <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Thank you for pointing that out. But, uh, and, and that was where the, cause this was the first film I guess that came out after he died because the whole intro, at least on, I don't know if this was in the theaters, but on Disney plus where I were, how we're watching this, it had this whole, uh, like it, it had this whole montage of all the Stanley cameos and then it's a thank you Stan. So this was like this big nod to, Oh, we got him in this movie and yes. the CGI didn't look the greatest because it was a, it was a de-aged, it was like what they did with Tarkin in Rogue One, I think. It was a de-aged, completely digitally made rendering of Stan Lee. But it was quick, painless. He didn't talk. It was yeah. just a nod. And I get, I wasn't going to be like, damn you. Like, it was fine. <laughs> it was A-okay. We needed that cameo. So, um, um, What I wanted to bring up in that I forgot to mention when we did the first Avenger, um, just because now it's happened two times and it will happen at least one more time a lot of these movies and things about these movies happen or like have like little one-off lines of something that happened like really close to where i live um <laughs> and i don't live that far away from uh new york city just so you know the audience knows um in captain america the first avenger there's like that a uh, throwaway line of like oh you're from paramus now and Paramus is literally the town right next to where I live, <laughs> which I thought when, like, even when I first saw the movie, I was like, oh, my God, Paramus. And then um, when this movie first came out, like, on now jumping back to Captain Marvel, um, when this movie first came out, Brie Larson, like, went to a theater in New Jersey uh, to, like, surprise a bunch of the people who went to see it opening night. And that theater is also, like, two towns away from me. So <laughs> that's now two movie, two Marvel movies who have hit, in some way, shape, or form, really close to my hometown. Yeah, I get that. That's like when, uh, in Signs, when it's, like, Bucks County, PA. I'm like, oh, my God, I live in Bucks County. <laughs> now, Bucks County is, is huge. It's massive. But I'm like, oh, my God, they know where Bucks County is. It's because you know, uh, and my Chamelon grew up in Bucks County. Um, okay, my, so, so I, but I mean, saying I'm from Bucks County is like saying I'm from like Eastern PA, like it's huge. So, um, no, Paramus for me, dude, I walk five, not even five minutes, three minutes oh, wow. up the street and I'm in Paramus. To be fair, I, I think they did shoot signs around, like in the farms near me. I think they shot it in a new town, which is, not five minutes away, but I, I understand that sentiment of like, oh my God, oh my God, I got it. <laughs> like fanboy. Mom, boy. did you hear that? Yeah. Did you read that subtitle? <laughs> at least you, hey, at least they, at least Paramus got a, a line in the movie. We just got a subtitle. Um, but, uh, but no, that's cool. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I definitely, 
That's 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 funny, and I'm glad it. If if it could happen to anyone, I'm glad it happened to you, Jake. <laughs> Thanks. It feels like these movies were made for me all of a sudden. <laughs> oh man, it's like it's like divine intervention. But that's uh, exactly, yeah. But anyway, so I guess that. Do you have any more uh, thoughts on the movie, or can I finally wrap this up after? Uh, Two hours and 40 minutes of talking. You you said going into this one, you're like, I think we've got a lot to talk about here. <laughs> and like going into it, I was like, man, Captain Marvel wasn't that big. Like it's probably not going to go that long. And we are well, well into this one. But uh, I, I think- talked we talked longer than the movie is. <laughs> that's a very fair point. Um, no, I am. I'm good. I'm clear. All right. Perfect. So I'll, I'll just wrap this up. Thank So everyone, thanks. If you've made it this far, thank you. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> getting through my rants and, and just, you know, yelling into the mic while Jake was, was the soothing Nick Fury figure. Like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, I, I very much appreciate you guys sticking around. So you know, that concludes this episode of Amateur Altours. You can follow us on Twitter at AltoursPod. Email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. And it would mean the world to both, well, both me and Jake, but, you know, me and Brian, too, if you could leave a review, like, comment on whatever uh, platform of the show you listen to on. That would mean a lot. And so uh, we'll see you next time. And, Jake, what we have Iron Man 2 next. Is that the next film, I believe? Um... Goodness gracious, I I think we might have Hulk next. Oh yeah, Edward Norton Hulk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, don't quote us on that, even though it's very quotable right now because it's out there. Um, <laughs> you'll know when you read the title because uh, I'm a little unsure of exactly w- what's next based on the timeline, just off the top of my head. But we will make sure we get it right for you. Okay, perfect. But until then, we'll see you next time, guys. Wow, that was fucking long. Oh, yeah, that was. <laughs> uh, we're-